Just waiting for more people to get in. Usually it takes like 15, 20 minutes. Then there's like a ton of good people.
Hey, Fenris, how's it going, man? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. Um, just uh, just uh, trapped in the old workplace late at night. So I'm like, screw it. I might as well just come here. Yeah, I'm kind of, it always takes like 20 minutes for this to like really kick off. Every time I send the invites out, it always takes a bit for people to jump in. Yeah, makes sense, makes sense. Um, so far, it's, uh, it's just you, me, and Zaxor. So, I'm, I know some people have said that they're interested in jumping in. For this discussion, I don't know if they're going to follow through. I know I would certainly like Voltar to show up, so that way he can probably elaborate more on his little SNES three chip modification. But I'm not, I'm not going to hold my breath. I mean, we might just legit forget because he's like a busy dude. But um. Yeah, I was. I'm really curious how he solved the two chip problem. I know that. Took, I know he was working on that on and off for like quite a while. But like it seems like he finally solved the two chip problem. I don't know about the three chip, but he definitely solved the two chip problem. Well, here's the thing. Um, when I say three chip, it's the same thing. So. I, I get the logic is uh, the the whole reason for the name two chip is oh it's because it has two PPUs but if you think about it it doesn't make any sense when you consider how Nintendo named the uh, one chip to begin with it was basically the CPU and both PPUs consolidated into a singular ASIC hence the name one chip if we were to go by the two chip logic of naming then where's the external CPU for the one chip oh, guess what? It's part of the one chip. So that's why I prefer the name three chip, even though, yes, the reality is two chip is the name that stuck. I actually didn't realize that, well, I guess maybe it was just my lack of knowledge, but I didn't know the Super Nintendo had like a mixed signal ASIC where takes, well, I think a lot of the old consoles do, like the NES, I think the PPU does that where it gets the digital data from the CPU, you know, it outputs composite, as I understand. But, I, yeah, I didn't know this Super Nintendo. Uh, I kind of learned this really recently, but, like, <clears throat> when you make, like, those mixed, signal, those mixed signal chips like that, at least, like, much older stuff, for, like, old, old stuff, like, stuff we like, they're going to be prone to, like, tons of noise, you know, with, you know, all the modern tools and all the, precision we have now right um and i guess it, in a way it kind of makes sense when you think about it because you know splitting off uh, uh splitting the uh i'm not an engineer but uh if uh but give it uh but I'd say that it makes sense for uh, for a multi-chip system to be more prone to uh, video errors than a single-chip system, most likely due to the 
uh, fact that you have two chips doing double duty, but there's also the risk of like cross signaling and what's the word I'm looking for? Crosstalk. That's what I'm, what, yeah. what I'm looking for. Yeah. Like I think, I think um, that's actually something I kind of learned in the, like kind of recently is like, a, I, you know, some of these systems, they share an analog ground and a digital ground, which is so bad. <laughs> well, I mean, there's like nothing, modern... ultimately it's all one return, right? Yeah. So it's all about how you've laid your, laid your stuff out and whether or not you've properly coupled those returns with the signals you're trying to work with. I think a lot of the old stuff, it just wasn't as efficient. Well, I don't think they care, right? You know, it wasn't, it wasn't as much of a concern back then because everyone was using RF and composite. And I think the only people using RGB were, you know, programmers doing debug. Yeah, that makes sense. Actually, I kind of have a, a, a slightly different, uh, I guess you can call it a theory, but kind of outlook. Um, one thing I, uh, I noticed was like, especially in, uh, uh, this is mainly like thinking about uh, of like how why RGB signals uh, why there are some systems in Japan or originating from Japan would have RGB when no one really used it. Um, I know I've I've heard some uh, some people I don't know who exactly said that like oh it was for European TVs not exactly um, one of the more popular uh, styles of monitor in Japan were like a lot of PC uh, computer monitors that were made for like, you know, things like the MSX or, um, uh, what was another popular Japanese computer? 68K. Yeah. Like, like, you know, a lot of those Japanese computers, they did utilize, uh, analog RGB. So if you think about it, having a system that has RGB and given the limited space of like a Japanese um, room, you know, it would be more, it would be smarter to have something that can, uh, that can actually better utilize, if you have the display that can utilize RGB, you know, why buy a second TV or a second display that has RGB functionality where but in, uh, when you instead have this one monitor that you can hook up your PC or you could just switch to using, you know, your Mega Drive or your Super Famicom. It makes sense because, like, a lot of those old monitors, they, they usually, at minimum, they had, like, a, like a composite input. Even though the, the computers at the time didn't really have a composite output. Well, the earlier ones did. But like 68K era, they didn't really use composite from a computer. But everybody in return, though, would use that computer monitor for composite or they'd get a custom cable made for RGB video. Right. And keep in mind, they did sell JP21 SCART, uh, not SCART, uh, JP21 cables for the uh, for the Japanese variant of a lot of those consoles there uh, there is an official JP21 Super Famicom cable there's an official JP21 Mega Drive cable there's an official Neo Geo JP21 cable anything that had RGB that was manufactured in Japan uh, had a JP21 cable and it's for those people who have a home computer and, uh, with a monitor that can utilize uh, analog 15 kilohertz RGB 
And granted, there are some monitors that do, I, I think, specifically do digital only. But I think that was more common with, like, uh, European computers or even, like, some Commodores. Yeah, maybe later on I'll see if Voltar wants to jump in and like explain it or something. Because I remember he, he he jumped in like a couple months ago, like randomly. I'm like, oh, I wasn't even, I didn't even think he had the time to like do this because you know he take you know he takes a lot of customers' orders in, so he's like super busy. But he also likes Twitter, I guess. So. <sighs> So what was that? What was that card that you were, Zach? Sir, what was that card you were making? Uh, like I saw the renders that you had, but I didn't actually know what it was for. Okay, so basically on the Laser Active with the Pack S10, the Genesis module, um, it's electrically compatible with the 32x, um, which is what I proved with that kind of plank-looking thing. So I'm just trying to make an adapter, so or an extender, so that. Um, if one desires, one may connect their 32X to to the Pack S10. I mean, that's all it's for. But the problem is, like, let's say I made just a, a short extender, right? So that the, the 32X can just jut out. Well, that's still going to block the uh, the laser disc tray. So this thing that I'm coming up with, it basically has like a 64-pin IDC cable, and that's going to run up to like a base where the 32X would theoretically sit. Oh, that's actually super smart. Well, I don't think I'm the first one. I mean, I've seen other people kind of like, I mean, you could probably, uh, you could take the face off of the lace off of the pack. You could take the, uh, you could kind of unscrew the cartridge part for the 32 X. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's doable, but I just, I don't know. I just thought I'm going to do something stupid. I think a lot of guys would go for it, to be honest. Um, I mean, I mean, if you really think about it, if a guy has, or if someone, sorry, if someone has their laser active set up, they probably don't want to like set up other stuff. Like, oh, I have to set up a Genesis just for 32x stuff. So I can see people actually like getting it for that purpose of like not having to set up as much stuff. I mean, and plus it's just kind of absurd, like just just seeing this giant bodge of a console sitting on another failed experiment mountain of failure yeah the laser active was really just so obscure in terms of what what pioneer was shooting for it's like pioneer they wanted to capitalize on the console market somehow and like actually laser active is like super poor in terms of like preservation because like the games aren't dumped <laughs> there well, is no there's no way someone actually working on that like someone was able to capture the game I will which is a mega ld game but it's kind of early in the early in that kind of process yeah there's um I'm, there's a uh, there's two main guys that I know of that they were able to get the BIOS to post for the laser active and MAME. But oh, but if you don't, if you don't have the, the, the ASIC that they have inside the, the pack, 
then it's going to lock up as soon as you see the logos because it's waiting for it's waiting for some kind of acknowledgement or a pack definition um, signal from the Pioneer ASIC, which is not replaceable, by the way. Yeah, it's very proprietary. But I mean, I, I mean, I have high hopes. Like, there's ever ever since the Domesday project started, there've been guys attempting to dump laser discs. There's only last I heard, only Pyramid Patrol had a clean drop-free dump, but Again, even with the dumped game, there's nothing to like emulate it yet. So that's going to be, I don't know, that sounds super difficult. Just laser active is a mess. I, th- I mean, you know that. Like, you've opened one, like, it, it's just a mess. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is just like a, just this weird um, hodgepodge of stuff. Like, if you look at any other laser disc player, it's very like elegant, like, everything fits together really well. But for whatever reason, on the laser active, they're like, we don't know what we're doing. And so (laughs) I don't understand, like the video board on the laser active is just so stupidly large. I'm like, why? how come, why is it that other laser disc players, even by Pioneer, don't have this much circuitry and components on it? And this isn't even like a top of the line laser disc player or anything. It's just, (laughs) it's just like a basic laser disc player. Yeah, I've got two down. I've got two Pioneer players downstairs, and and actually, I've only opened one. And as you said, like they're actually pretty clean. It's like reminds me of how the Dreamcast is designed. It's actually they're actually arranged really well, and they're not challenging to disassemble at all. They're like, really quite, not. Yeah, it's quite straightforward. But I, I like if I can imagine, it's probably something like the Super Prologue Twenty One. <laughs> Where it's like, okay, let's just try to get this and this to work in the most inefficient way possible. They probably had some ridiculous deadline they were up against, and they were like, um, okay, boss, <laughs> we'll make it work, but it's not going to be pretty. So yeah, I remember. We need to hit CPS 22 or, or 92. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, like, my Prologue 21 downstairs, it has a VA0 Saturn board inside of it. Oh, nice. Yeah, but the one that Ben Fong restored for someone, that motherboard inside of it for the Saturn portion is, like, totally custom. Like, it's like Saturn stuff, and then towards the back, they added all the SCSI CD stuff towards the back, like the controller and everything. It was, compared to, like, mine, mine is, like... Like, what do they do? So there's no cart slot, so you can't use, like... Oh, pseudo, Yeah, you can't use, like, a pseudo-Kai cart at all. They changed the cart slot to some sort of backplane connector, and then there's a ginormous sandwiched card that plugs into that with, like, all this scuzzy stuff. It's like... As you said, it looked like they just rushed it, and they're like, we just have to make this work somehow, and now it works. That's basically all of Sega's stuff since after the after the Genesis, and it, I bet the Genesis would probably rush too, which is why they had so many so many you know post you know in post fixes. It's like oh shit, we discovered this after we've already produced all these. Ah, oh, send them back and uh, bodge this on. Good old Sega. Thank you. 
like I made, I also made like more progress with, cause I'm doing like two projects at once right now, but like I made more progress with the, um, PSP doc and pretty much like I got the, the stock component cable and I measured the connector and it's no joke. 1.6 millimeters thick, <laughs> which is like a super standard stack up. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to try to make a gold finger card. And I think I might be able to get this to work. Word. Yeah. And then the game boy one, actually the game boy advance thing. I'm actually going to start that formally tomorrow, but I'm not sure if I ever explained that, but basically I'm just trying to get analog video from it. Cause I know there's like two HDMI kits, but there's no analog video kit floating around. That's true. Everyone else. Well, I mean, I guess the only thing that would come close is that crappy Intech gaming thing. Oh man. I mean, they did it like, I love the implementation. It's just, I can't believe it's just the wrong solution. (laughs) Yeah. Like the fact that the gold contact pins were, you don't have to solder wires. I'm like, that is actually super good. The pogo pins are awesome. I might actually do that. I'm not sure. But like I don't want to do it and then people are like, Oh, you copied them, like, no, not quite because uh, they you know, do it wrong. Do what you want to do, right? Just Yeah. The only the only odd thing, so the Game Boy Advance, the CPU outputs digital RGB. It's like what is it, like eight bits or something like that? Five or six bits. No, it's five. I think it's like five or six bits for each line, and then there's horizontal, vertical, and pixel clock. And this sounds real weird. I'm just gonna send it to a DAC and just see what the output looks like. But I'm like 99% sure I'm gonna have to use an FPGA to like actually clean it up. Like, there's no way that would just plug in and work. Yeah, I don't know anything about digital stuff, so could not be there. I mean, all it basically the CPU has the digital RGB and it sends it to that LCD screen, which you know displays it. But like one issue is the Game Boy, the resolution is at three <laughs> two, which is like super non-standard. So that's why I'm like I'm like ninety nine percent sure I'm gonna have to like. That's why I bought that little Gowan board to like. Okay, maybe it'll be like a super simple thing to do. I don't know. Plus, the Gowan stuff's cheap. But yeah, the the PSP dock, I'm actually especially interested in that because those docks are, like, super expensive now. Like, the 2000 and 3000 one never came out in the U.S., so I had to buy one from Japan, and I'm going to rip it apart when it gets here. It's like really the last thing I have to like examine and then I could like formally start prototyping it. Oh, for anyone, anyone in the chat, you can just um, make, if you, if you like to talk, just make a, you can make a request to talk if you want.
Oh, Zach, what was that thing you did a few weeks ago with the triple bypass? Uh, which are what? What are you talking about in, in particular? I thought I thought you did some uh, modification to the triple bypass board. Oh yeah, so so it's essentially the the same core circuit, right? The the RGB and audio circuit. Um, but what I did was I just added. Um, some extra pads for routing audio back to the headphone amp on a model one. And then additionally, I added a few pads to route RGB back to the, um, to the stock encoder. And you may wonder like, well, why would you want to do that? Um, I use a lower value resistance because if you look at the CXA 1645, 1145 data sheets, they say, okay, yeah, give us RGB with as low impedance as possible. Um, the lowest impedance you could do from that 73, 74, 75 ohms into 75 ohms, but you need to get one volt. So utilizing the stock 1,200 uh, ohm resistors that are already there, um, I came up with uh, 511 ohms to, uh, what is it, to route back to, to that node that connects to the CXA RGB in. And so when you do that, you're going to get one volt. And then because the THS7374 can drive um, two 75-ohm loads, well, that's more than 75 ohms, so I'm not worried about loading it down. So basically, you get your composite back, and then if you have a Model 1, you actually get RGB out of both DINs. Um, and then you can run your headphone audio back to the headphone amplifier, so you, then you get that back, and you can control the volume. So you basically restore all the functionality you normally lose in a Model 1 triple bypass install. It's pretty finalized, to say the least. Like, I'm not so sure how it can get better after that. Like, that's pretty good. Like, I, I don't know what else. I mean, I did also add a pad um, to run composite into the triple bypass. So if you want that to go through the composite pin on your Model 2 DIN instead of, um, you know, using the built-in what what's called a 75 ohm sync, which is basically just a two volt peak to peak signal. And so when that goes through your 75 ohm and 75 ohm divider, uh, you know, you're going to get one volt, which is like what you would expect to see on a composite video signal. Really, you only need about, you only need 0.6 volts there, but you know, one volt is, is fine. You know, one project I'm surprised no one's ever taken uh, is making a brand new Genesis board. Like, I mean, obviously, like, it would have to depend on which ASIC is used, I believe. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they, they switch between a few different ASICs, even in, even in, you know, I, I think the from the VA3 onward, they used the 315-5313, but I don't, I don't remember what's in the, the VA2, but it's like, yeah, it, it's, it's just, you know, you'd have to have several different versions or like two or three yeah. different versions. Yeah. That would be pretty hard. I'm, I know it's guys, hard. Have done, it's just, done like, it's yeah. Tough. Can't you just say screw everybody and just pick one? Yeah, sure. You <laughs> like as, a, as the designer, right. It's like, Hey guys, here's my thing. Take it or leave it. It's like the people who, uh, who, who always bitch at uh, red herring about who hey, wasn't, why doesn't why your uh, open Tendo have this or that? It's like, cause this is all I wanted to do. Take it or leave it. If you want to do it, it's open source. Go do it yourself. Now, does anybody know if there's actually 
beyond because uh, I know a lot of the problems with the Genesis are the actual board, right? Placement oh, yeah. of components and routing and things, but so are there any differences in the actual ASICs? I'm sure there is because as they as they you know advance through the years, right, they start consolidating more and more functionality into the ASIC. You know, look at just going from the the model one to the model two, right? They consolidated the entire audio ASIC into the VDP. Well, I'm calling it the DDP, but it's, you know, it's just like the multi-purpose, multi-function ASIC. Yeah. Question, Zaxor. Yeah. Um, do, does your uh, 3BP V2 Plus uh, have uh, a, not, uh, a non-inverting width? Uh, have non-inversion for the op amp. Um, so what, what, what exactly are you trying to ask? So, cause an op amp always has an inverting and a non-inverting input. And so the configuration on the triple bypass is that your reference voltage goes to the non-inverting input and then your audio goes to the input. So I showed the V2 plus to ACE9921, the guy who, you know, made the mega amp side. Yep. And he did note a couple things. Okay. Um, he said, <laughs> uh, so he said from the Genesis model one perspective, it's a bit redundant as is since you can sap, simply tap into the CXA 1034's preamp outputs to get line level audio. Uh, and as a general statement, the op-amp setup should probably be converted to non-inverting as the waveform will be out of phase with the original circuit. It will be out of phase, but if it's the only thing you're listening to. So here's the thing. I've done a capture, and that is what's funny is that didn't actually show up in, um, in the MD Fourier analysis. And MD Fourier analysis has caught um, wrong phase before. So, I mean, he's, he may be right, but in my in my own limited ex, you know experience with it um it hasn't been the case now what he's saying about tapping the preamp um uh, yeah so if, if you go back a couple weeks i modded a va3 where i was like i'm not touching this audio circuit and so yeah i just tapped the preamp and brought yeah, and he, to, the, to the triple bypass yeah and he thought that was perfect but like you know if you're going if you're doing like a va2 or uh anything but a VA3, right? There's going to be something um, not quite the same with the audio circuit. And they all, I mean, they all sound fine. So it's like, you know, do you really need to do it? I think the VA2 has some clipping that, that needs to be addressed, but you know, you could probably just change a resistor to reduce the gain. Um, but, you know, the VA7, obviously that thing. Uh, so the, the VA2, and this is also true for the VA0 Mega Drive Model 1, and the VA1 Mega Drive Model 1, Japanese, not European. Sorry, Brits. Anyways, um, they, uh, they all have too high of a gain yep. on the headphone output side. So well, there's the a model, couple. The Model 2s don't have a headphone output, or, or do the Japanese ones do? I'm talking about the Model 1s. So the Model 1. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, for some reason, I'm talking about Model 2. Yeah, the, the VA2 gain is too high. So it will clip. Yeah, same thing with like the VA0 and VA1 Mega Drive Model 1s. Okay. Yes, those exist. Um, 
So they, it's the same issue across the board for yep. those three models. So there's like two resistors you have to change on the headphone, uh, on the uh, volume slider in order to bring that back down. On the, on the volume slider. Okay, so probably, so if you go and look at the circuit right there, going into the preamp, you're going to have the mixing, the, the resistive mixing circuit for, you know, PSG, uh, FM, and the, the various other expansion audios. Um, so my guess is it's probably like R41 and R42, which are the, those are the inputs for um, FM audio. So, and if you're only changing two resistors, then those would probably be it. It's been a while since I've uh, since I've done the fix, so um, <laughs> kind, of, kind of makes me wish I could rope Ace in here, but I know he's busy right now. Yeah. Get in here, blue boy. But, but no, um, yeah, it, it, that was just some, uh, uh, something I wanted to. Uh, to bring up because, well, so considering my, the yeah, considering think, the audio side is like done by Ace. Yeah. So uh, here's, it's, here's the thing, right? Like everything he said is like is like perfectly valid. But my my kind of attack was like, okay, what is the most accessible thing for most people that will give the best quality result? Now you could go uh, deeper, right, and expand the the audio to it had another amp you know, kind of like how to make what the mega amp was, but then, you know, you're making a much larger board. And so it's like, okay, what is the best solution for this case? What's, what's the most direct. And that was the right. kind of attack I took. Now I'm not going to say, I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, everybody else is wrong, but more like, I think my objective was just to make it as easy for the most people as possible. So like you right. know, on, the, on the VA seven, right. Uh, you could just follow my instructions and run your wires back to there, you know, after you change those resistors on the 3DP. And, you know, it's going to sound okay, right? It's the, the high end, you know, looks pretty crappy if, you, if you're able to read the MD48 plot. But, you know, it's, you, you would have lost that functionality and it's like you don't have to use that. Or right. you could go and buy a TL974 or another op amp that has a, you know, a good slew rate and high bandwidth, low noise. And then you swap it in and it's going to look, it's going to look better, which is what I did with this one. But it's like, what yeah. does, what, what are people's stomach for going above and beyond? Right. Um, I think uh, he did note one more thing. And it, I think this one might be more of a personal preference. Uh, he did note that probably the circuit, the audio circuit itself should be reworked to use a quad op amp in order to maintain the internal Sega CD pass through on the Genesis model two. The internal the, the, so the, the Sega seems, uh, yeah basically but the 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 model two is kind of weird it uh with how uh with sega cd audio if i remember correctly um i know like so, I mean, it, it's been a long time since i uh, since i've since i've had to do do uh, do all this like reading up on like Genesis audio. Um, if I remember correctly, some models of Genesis had like uh, uh, had some pull up or pull down resistors. They should uh, all the they they should usually have a seventy five ohm pull down. Yeah, but it's not present in every model though. That's the thing. 
Yeah, there's like a couple. Like, so like, I think maybe I have to go back and look at the Mega Amp 2.0 stuff because that's where I usually that's where I usually pull up when I'm doing my audio installs. But like, I think most of the early Model Twos do have it, and then later on they probably remove those, remove that for whatever reason. Right. Um, but yeah, it was. It was, uh, like I said, it was just a couple things, uh, uh, things that I want, uh, I wanted to bring up because, uh, I know you've been doing a lot of work with the, uh, the triple bypass, you know, improving it more and more to, uh, you know, add extra functionality and make it easier for people with model ones, which, uh, personal opinions aside, um, you know, you, it, you are doing good work. And considering I am looking into doing like more pseudo HDMI mod, I'm probably going to end up using your V2 plus board. Right. Cause it has those output pads. <laughs> well, not just that, but it's, uh, it's, uh, considering the V2 plus is, uh, is configured with the model one in mind. I think it would be a lot better for me to use that because one thing I don't like is sacrificing functionality for uh, improvement. Um, like, for example, I will never, ever install a, uh, uh, install a triple bypass in a Model 1 because I don't like the idea of sacrificing composite video for improved RGB and it's not even going through the same din. Um, you know, with something like your board, uh, it restores functionality onto the stock din while also giving you the benefit of RGBS through the, um, uh, through a nine pin din. Right. So what, so one thing I've been trying to be fully transparent about is that my board isn't necessary to uh, achieve that if you're willing to solder on some resistors here and there and make it look a little bit ugly <laughs> well it's not just that i also um it, it's also like the headphone jack uh, i don't like the idea of disabling the headphone jack just to have stereo audio through one din like you know, what if I want to put my headphones on? What am I going to do then? Hmm? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, you know, it, it's it's a choice for everybody, right? And like I said, you know, um, you don't necessarily have to have my revision of that to achieve that. You know, you just have to know, like, okay, where to put those resistors and where to wire it in. I mean, it's it's all doable, ultimately. Yeah, but your boards are uh, – the reason why I would go with your boards is because it just makes it easier. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole idea, right? I just wanted to make it, like, convenient for people to do. And just because I thought, eh, I'll just do this because I want to do it. Yeah. I know uh, uh, I got some people excited recently about uh, a couple of teaser images I threw up where it was, like, the Model 2 with the Rad 2X and a triple bypass. Um. And I actually think, uh, yeah, I added you on Discord recently. Yep. And uh, it was one, so that way I could uh, talk to you directly whenever I decide to buy the V2 boards. 
And two, I kind of botched the install on the, uh, uh, which you would think like, it's super simple. How'd you screw it up? It wasn't that I, it wasn't that I screwed it up. The Genesis, I shit you not died on me. It died. It literally just, uh, it booted up. Then suddenly the screen started turning yellow. I'm like, what the? And all of a sudden it froze. When I hit reset, black screen. I'm like, the fuck? So I start, so I start trying to swap out parts. Like maybe did the RAM die? Nope. Did uh, the Z80 die? Nope. The ASIC literally just dropped dead on me. Oh, that's really. I mean, that's like you should go play the lottery. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me! Like, so when I posted a second teaser image, so the Genesis and the first image is not the same one as in the second image. The second image was me uh, was me scrambling around my closet trying to find a replacement Genesis Model Two since I had already posted like, "Hey, look at my new project, guys." Noah, it's okay to it's okay to screw up, right? Just uh, just be humble about it, right? It happens all the time, especially to me. I make mistakes all the time, and I'm like, "Well, I was a dumbass." Well, it it was kind of it was just that moment because I was like, "All right." It's late at night, but you know what? I got nothing better to do. Let's do this install. Woohoo! And then everything goes right for like five minutes. And then everything just kind of spiraled downhill from there. Yeah, usually I tend to make a lot of mistakes. So like if I've just had coffee or like if I've just finished working out or something, for whatever reason, my hands are like super shaky. So, but for whatever reason, I want to go over there and do some mod work. And I'm like, oh man, I need to stop because I'm going to screw shit up. Well, it wasn't even a case of that. It was just, like, out of nowhere, the Genesis dies on me. Is like, there, like, right a solder there. ball somewhere? Because, like... No, there wasn't a solder ball anywhere. I made sure to check the entire board, make sure there was no loose solder, there was nothing bridging. Uh, the regulator was fine. Huh. It was just, for whatever reason, the ASIC decided, you know what sounds good right now? Death. Huh. That's that's really that's really something. That's not very common. It's not. It's just unfortunately, uh, I happen. It of all the times it could have happened to me, it had to happen right then and there. Oh yeah, right when you're trying to right when you're trying to flex. So that's when I teased the uh, VA two dot three that uh, I'm going to be modding net. Uh, I'm going to be modding in its place. And the VA 2.3 situation is going to be kind of interesting because if you think about it, if you want a Model 1 experience, but you don't, uh, but you're, you are either size limited or if uh, you don't want to deal with like the headphone jack side of things, a VA 2.3 or a VA 2 would probably be your best bet. I've been trying to get my hands on one of those for like a year and a half. And oh, I I have like six of them on my watch list on eBay right now. Yeah, see, I usually try to get. I I, I was looking at, it, but then you know, I'll I'll kind of give up for a while, and then every now and then I'll get back to trying to find one. And I just I just I just keep forgetting about it because it's not it's not that important. Because I'm like, well, you know, I've got like however many model ones, I got however many model twos. I don't really need it. <laughs> like it's cool. Well, I, can, I I can link you. To the ones that, so I, I don't because, 
I know the serials to look for. It's like a X five two or something like that, or like XX two. So, um, um, if you want a guaranteed VA two dot three, look for the model number MK sixteen thirty one A. Oh, that's the two dot three. Uh, those are uh, like ninety percent of the time. It's a VA two dot three. I think the other ten percent, it's like a VA three. But you can see if it's a VA three. So my from VA just a- three, like I have a VA three, and it's it's serial was like seven five three, etc. And so yeah. I figured, okay, the 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 XX threes must be VA threes, and then XX four is probably VA four. I would, yes. I would, if I had to guess. Um, yes. Um, and then it's like, if it's XX two, it's the VA two, but right. literally I ha- I have like, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 VA two dot threes on my watch list right now. Cool. Yeah. I think it'd be neat to have that 2612 sound in a, in a model too, but eh, one day I'll get it. Um, the last time I tried to get one, I ended up with the VA three because it was a lot. It was like it came with like a VA one, a VA three, and then a Genesis three VA two, which is that one that I have on eBay right now. Oh, also, um, I showed Ace the uh, the VA uh, the Model two teaser, and he's like, "You want your next project projects to be." Putting a rad two X inside a thirty two X. Hell yeah! Well, you know what? I'll, it's feasible, right? Oh, uh, it is. I mean, I you don't. Just, you just. I, I don't have. I don't have outlets. a thirty. I don't have a thirty two X though. That's the thing. Yeah, you're not missing much. <laughs> I, I know I'm not missing much, but the thing is, though, it's like I know people's obsession with that thing lately, and I don't know what it is. Like the thirty two X sucks. Because. It's just because. Like, don't. Don't. Well. Honestly, the virtual racing is pretty decent for it. Yeah, but it's better on the PS2, okay? It's better. On, it's best on the Switch. Yeah, I mean, of course, there's, there's better ways to play every game. But it's like, okay, let's look at, for the time, the era in which it was released. It's good. Like, that that port was good. Now, a lot of the rest of it is, is very clearly poorly thought out. But, you know, yeah. I, the only reason I have one is because some guy just gave me one. I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> well, now I have like a four parts or repair unit on my uh, on my watch list. That's like eighty bucks free shipping. Oh gosh! And I'm like, that's a little too much for a broken unit. It it really is. It, I don't know. Like, I don't think I would want to spend money on one. To be perfectly honest, like I just have it just because of circumstance. Yeah, understandable. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not a bad idea because, you know, you can basically have your pseudo HDMI functionality go through the 32X, meaning that you can have benefits of Genesis and the 32X. Mm -hmm. So my only problem is the 32X, first of all, you would still need a THS7374 circuit specifically for the 32X. Yeah, because you don't know. Well, let's see. What you could do, right, is you could run the out. You could lift the pins. Well, you you'd want to do the rad. Okay, you don't want to lose functionality. Or would you basically replace the? Um, would you basically pull the stocked in? 
So, because I don't think you'd want to cut, would you? I mean, I if you do, I, I wouldn't want to cut. I wouldn't want to cut. So, see, and this is where uh, where it's going to get tricky because you basically have to intercept the uh, the out the RGB output before it reaches the DIN. If um, well, you you don't have to as long as you don't plug anything into the DIN. Because the, then you're the not issue, loading it. The issue is if you want to have both analog output as well as having the built-in HDMI port. Yeah, yes, you, you need to buffer it. Yeah, you need to buffer it. So that's where uh, where it's going to get tricky because you would have to install a THS7374 circuit. But the mm-hmm. thing is, though, I don't even know if, like, say, using uh, Voltar's Sega RGB would even make that work. Well, um, yeah, well, yeah, it would because okay, here's what you do, right? The the levels that come out of the amplifier for the for the 32x expects the cable to have the 75 ohm termination. So basically, you're getting 1.4 ish uh, volt peak to peak out of those outputs. Okay, then you're going to tap that into your THS seventy three seventy four, and what you'll have to do is you're going to have to divide those by two. You can do it with a, if the if the encoder output expects seventy five ohms, no problem. You just put a seventy five ohm series, seventy five ohm shunt, and you've got your seventy five ohm termination, just like the encoder expects. That goes into your seventy three seventy four. Then what you're going to get back out is the same voltage level. <laughs> 1.428 volts peak to peak. Okay. Then you know that the 7374 can drive two 75 ohm loads. So you send one off to the DIN and the other off to the RAD 2X. Fair enough. Um, the, the thing is, though, it's like the Voltar's Sega RGB bypass, it's designed specifically. Uh, actually, no, it's not designed specifically for the Genesis because it also works on the Master System. It okay, so when we say design, it, it's just a 7374 with resistive dividing, and I can't even remember if it has AC coupling. I don't think it does because the Genesis just swings from zero to five volts, so there's no, there's no real need for AC coupling on there. So you could basically fiddle around with the resistive divider to, to, to get you the level that you want. So, what his does, and what even what the triple bypass does, right? It just takes the five volt because the, the, the VDP swings from zero to five volts, it takes that and it divides it down to, um, to a 0.714 volt peak to peak level. That's all it does. It's really simple. Okay. So I'm definitely going to keep take, uh, keep note of that. So that way, if I ever do decide to grab a 32 X specifically for this, which the only game I'm probably going to be able to demonstrate with it is Doom. Do you have an EverDrive? Yes, but I'm not gonna. I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to tarnish my precious Mega EverDrive Pro with 32x ROMs. Gross. Oh come on! <laughs> it's not beneath you. <laughs> it is very much beneath me. No way, man! You got, I mean, you got Star Wars Arcade. You've got Tempo. You've got virtual racing. You've got virtual fighter. I mean, come on. I think I. Uh, I think I'd rather. Uh, I'd rather. T- uh, I'd rather have my left nut kicked in by a Sonic cosplayer 
then load my EverDrive Pro with 32x ROMs. Okay, it's a it, 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 graphic. I I am a very graphic person, but anyways, um, so no. In all seriousness, though, it's mainly because uh, mainly because I'm I'm like one of those people that's like I try to only set up my uh, flash drives, uh, my not flash drives, flash carts, like as a one and done kind of thing. Like the only time I ever pull out that SD card at that point is to update the firmware. But I don't like adding more ROMs to it. I don't like doing all that stuff. It, it's literally just you plug it in and you're good to go. Yeah, I mean, I typically like to do that too. But, you know, like the way I test all of this Genesis hardware, I mean, I've had to update, um, what is it? The 240p test suite. You know, I've had to add ROMs here and there that I didn't ha- that I didn't think to add before. So, you know, it's, it's nice to, to, be, to be flexible. Fair enough. It's it's just typically whenever I test uh, whenever I test consoles, typically sometimes I use the EverDrive if I if I'm feeling lazy. But um, most of the time, I have a collection of Genesis uh, cartridges. Oh, I have yeah. I have a 32x copy of Doom. Um, granted, the shield is rusted, and for some reason, when I opened it up the first time, there was a roach in it. Um, but yeah, I don't know how the I got how that got. <laughs> yeah, um, but. Uh, but yeah, I have cartridges to, te- uh, to test it with. I, I know I should probably just stick with using an EverDrive because that's the most likely environment for people to be using that with. So here's the thing, right? With the 32X, um, actually the EverDrive can put you in a situation where it won't boot because of the EMI from the EverDrive. And if the thir- if you don't have the collar for the 32x and it's not sitting in there just so, then the EMI is going to be enough to lock it up after when you try to load a game from the SD card. It's bizarre. In my workaround, because I was helping a guy fix his, and I kept having this issue where it's like I was using it on a model two, and I didn't, ha- and he didn't have the collar, and I hadn't printed one off yet, and um, it just it wouldn't load from it wouldn't load from the from the SD card. Every time I would do it, it kept giving me like, oh, SD IO error, blah, blah, blah. So eventually I got my Model 1 out because the 32X actually, uh, by default, is designed to sit perfectly on the Model 1. And so once I did that, everything worked great. So it's just something to keep in mind. Well, that that's why the 32X also came with a plastic spacer. It was for the Model 2. Right, but if um, you don't have that, if you don't have that, because the one that I was sent to fix did not have that. And so that was the problem I ran into. Funny enough, I don't have a 32X, but you know what I do have? Do you have those little metal clips? I have the termination block for the 32X. Oh, neat. It, what it was is that one of the Genesis Model 2s I bought had it sticking out from the side. And I was like, <laughs> the fuck is this? So I had to look it up and I was like, can you post a picture Why? of that in like either like like Dubes Discord or just send it to me? I've never seen one. Um, I don't have it with me mainly because I'm still at work. Um, oh, okay, gotcha. But um, I'll probably just Google but, it. Or something. But it, it so it's weird. It 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 looks like an overextended uh, Sega Genesis cover. 
but the the reason why that uh, that it exists is because if I remember correctly, early 32Xs had a problem with Genesis consoles that did not have a Sega CD uh, termination. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's what the termination block is for. Yep. The re- reason why I kept it is because I wanted to see if that thing could fix the compatibility issues with a very specific game called Paprium. Did it? Oh, God. Oh, no. I, it has been two years since I put a pre-order down, and I haven't seen that SOB. Damn. Yeah, that Paprium, that was just such a disaster launch. Yeah, and it's still a disaster for anyone that decided to pre-order late. Yeah. All right, guys, I'm going to drop off. Good chatting. All right, later. Yeah, Paprium was, that was just a terrible, terrible launch, to say the least. There's dudes that paid, just like yourself, there's a lot of guys that paid that definitely didn't get their cartridge. Funny enough, I have, I I tried getting in touch with Fonzie about uh, my concerns with Paprium pre-order. Um... Uh, with my Paprium Pure, and I also asked about Pure Solar. Um, actually, let me see if I can pull up the email exchange. Was that was that Pure Solar for uh, Dreamcast? No, I I uh, I was asking about the uh, the. The uh the 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 Genesis version. Oh, okay. So I was asking. Wow! Wow! Okay, cool. He he closed off uh, the uh, the exchange. Oh my god! That means he just took my money and ran. Son of a. Yeah, well, that guy he tried saying, "Oh, PayPal locked me out" or something. Like, I like, I I didn't keep up with that fiasco very much, to be honest. I just okay, know like so, lots of people paid for it and didn't get it, and like a very tiny amount got it. Okay, so uh, anyways, what I was trying to get get at, um, so I was asking about Pure Solar because. I had a Pure Solar uh, second print cartridge, and the thing I was concerned with was that it was using 3.3 volt parts, but only using resistors for like a crude way to level shift. And they were teasing about a uh, they were teasing about a uh, a uh, Pure Solar anniversary edition. And I was, and I asked a simple question. Hey, I saw that you're doing this, uh, this anniversary edition release. Is uh, are, uh, and you know it's, and I'm pretty sure it's been pointed out to you. But there, these love these cartridges aren't level shifted properly. Are you going to add level shifters because uh, the 3.3 volt cartridges uh, with resistors? That's not enough to properly 
uh, convert from 3.3 volt logic to 5 volt logic and vice versa. I don't remember the exact message, but it basic, but I can summarize it best as, oh, those people who say that don't know what they're talking about. You know, I, I, I know because my cartridges work fine. That's terrible because you can't, you can't use three volt parts on five volt logic. I literally like, that's kind of like something pretty well known. <laughs> you know, like it's pretty bad. It, it it was I don't remember the exact response, but it was something along that those lines, and I I looked so dumbfounded because I was like, I'm pretty sure like he acknowledged that he saw the DB Electronics article, but then he called bullshit on it because my cartridges ran for over a thousand hours and worked fine which I don't think he actually ran pure solar for a thousand hours. I don't even think he ran it for a hundred hours. Yeah. There's, there's no way that that happened because I mean, what, so what usually happens with these carts or like when you turn these things on, uh, there is like a voltage spike. Like it's like less than 50 milliseconds. When you first boot up a Genesis, there's like a, there's like a tiny, tiny, almost microscopic level amount of like voltage spike. It's obviously not enough to like wreck a real car. It's just that's just how the electronics work. And then you know it levels out to five volts. So even like turning it on, you can that's how you kill your card instantly. So here's what I did. I sold my my copy of Pure Solar. So I could buy a uh, a pirated copy of the game from um, AliExpress. Here's something funny about that. The pirated copy uses dual 27C322s and a decompressed version of the ROM. So the pirated cartridge is safer than the official cartridge. And I'm just oh. like... Oh, they do what? have pure solar on AliExpress. That's crazy. Yeah, it's over a hundred bucks. But yeah, it uh, the the seller uh, used uh, uses a dual twenty seven C three twenty two setup as well as a. Uh, I think uh, he has like extra logic for like um, I want to say memory mapping or uh, bank switching. That's one what, uh, what I'm looking for. But it's it's all uh, five volt tolerant parts, and I'm like, so this guy reverse engineered your crap and did a better job at building a sound cartridge than you did. What? I feel like I'm 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 listening to Bohemian Rhapsody at this point because is this the real life or is this just fantasy? It's it's actually pretty funny that <laughs> that the pirated card is actually fixed. I think I think most it, it's interesting because like when you say something like that, you you think of like I think of the banana cart for the MVS <laughs> or the AES MVS. Where remember the one sixty one in one cart. Yeah, I have one. 
yeah or they're like it's not it's not safe and but then like i guess they heard feedback because like every revision after that is like fixed and like actually good so there's actually another version of the 161 and one called the series two and supposedly they fixed all the issues I want, I'm going to be trying to get my hands on that specific variant because there's one game I want to test in particular. So that way I can either say they fixed everything or I can um, post a huge rant and say that they're bullshitting. So one game is completely broken on the 161 and 1. Garo Mark of the Wolves. It's broken because they used a prototype ROM. And as a result, it crashes when you use a Kim, not Kim Jae-hoon, Kim Don Juan, I think his name is. Uh, But if you use his top move, it crashes the game because it was not fully programmed in the prototype ROM. So if you have any version of the 161 and 1, whether it's the uh, one with the alphabetically arranged list or the regular banana cartridge, it will crash every time. But supposedly, Series 2, they fixed it. I want to see that for myself, if that's the case. I'd like to see... I want to see what... So, do you know which 161 and 1 carts are safe? Because I remember reading that there was, like, some that were, you know, again, like, the damaging ones. So, I don't I don't know which ones are actually, like, good. At this point in time, if you just go on AliExpress and just buy a 161 and 1, I'm sure you'll get a good one. Uh, I would say, if you want a safe bet, go for the Series 2, simply because it's the newest one. Sorry, I'm curious. I'm going to look up the Series 2. I think there's only, like, one guy selling the Series 2. Um, it should be a, a, a account called Vintage Japanese Arcade. But based in China. <laughs> Wait, what about Time Harvest? Is he selling good ones? I think Time Harvest is the one that uh, would sell the Series 1. But again, I recommend just going with the Series 2 simply because it's the most up-to-date one. I can't it's find the series. Ser- I, like, I searched Series 2 Neo Geo and I couldn't find it. Okay, so... Uh... I do see the ones of the shock boxes, which is pretty cool, well, actually. I, I have the link for it right now. I don't know if there's a way to... <laughs> No, that's not going to work. Um, let me figure something out. Let me see if I can find you on Discord. Is it the clear cartridge? No. Oh. At CO? CO the vial? Yeah, I'm in I'm in uh, Dube's Discord. Yeah, I'm giving you the link through uh through 
So it is Dubs. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Because I keep I keep calling him Dubsenhauer. That's, that's fine. That's my, that's, uh, I deserve that. <laughs> it, the, the, I, it's no offense, man, but it's like for for some reason, like when I read it, it's a, uh, I read it as Dubs. So, so this is the one that's the most up to date, but all the other ones have the same menu. Well, well, the thing is though is like the 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 ROM list is the same. It's just apparently this one has all the fixes. It's just a yellow cart, and not like like a like a like good looking color cart, which is interesting. Yeah. So the the uh, 161 in 1 uh version 2, which is what you're thinking of. Yeah, there's a version 2 and a series 2. Don't get them mixed up. They're not the same thing. Um the V2 all it is is that the ROM list was rearranged and they changed the Terry Bogard artwork. But otherwise, functionally speaking, it's the exact same thing as a a 161 in 1 series 1 prefixes um and the other problem is that you can't use pick and mix with the version 2 you can use it with the series 2 you just can't use it with the version 2 are you confused yet good yes (laughs) hey have you guys noticed that like there's tons of gbs control stuff on aliexpress now Funny enough, they all come from the same guy. <laughs> Seriously. So the the orange the orange scalar ones come from the same guy. And funny enough, the guy who does the orange uh, the orange shell ones they they're the ones who did like some of the first RetroTink two X clones. So make of that what you will. Um, but interestingly enough, their all in one solution is actually really good. The only problem was the first batch which I talked to a guy named Retrobee who actually has a more direct communication with the people who make this uh, stuff. And they said that it was a manufacturing error with the first batch, but it's been, uh, it's since been fixed. And if you're wondering what that mis- that problem was, I think it was like there was some slight ringing in RGB and it was because of an incorrect resistor value. So I'm like, this is interesting because not only is this an all-in-one GBS control, but it has HDMI out like just right off the bat. And speaking of GBS control though, Someone released a uh, a board called the Shinobi, which it's. I think uh, du- I think Dubs did did mention it in uh, his modding news video. Yep, but yeah, I'm interested in getting one of those simply because of the fact that it's a condensed GBS 8200. Yeah, now that I think about it, that's very well, that'll give you VGA out. It'll give me VGA out, but I have a really good uh, 
VGA to HDMI converter complements of electronic uh, Shepard. Oh yeah. Um, so you can combine that. Yeah, you can combine that, and I want it for pseudo HDMI purposes. The problem is though. I'm not going to put together all those SMD parts. Oh my god, yeah, there's like what, like 40 or something ridiculous. And, and they're small. Like I think that board was meant to be uh made like assembled not by <laughs> not that person. Yeah, I'm like I'm not going to but I'm like okay, you know what? That's why I made that tweet like, you know, if you have a fully assembled unit on the go or if you, even if you just put all the small components in let me know because I have GBS 8200s. I'm willing to pull the big freaking chip and the, uh, I think it uses DDR RAM. Uh, but I'm willing to pull the RAM. I'm willing to pull the, the big stupid uh, CPU off of the GBS 8200. I'm willing to do that. I am not willing to put all those tiny little capacitors and resistors in place because there's way too many of them. And it's easy to get lost. But, yeah, it, it was one of those things I thought was also interesting. Uh, also interesting, because it was like, it, it's a GBS 8200 in the size of a credit card. And if this works out the way I would want it to, which it looks like it does, I, I can use this with uh, in place of RAD 2Xs for my pseudo HDMI mod, because the biggest downside of using a RAD 2X is you only have 4DP. But the reason why I use it is because, well, the board's small and it actually processes the images good. But something like this, like I can set it to, I think your resolution options are 480p, 720p, 960p, and 1080p. Oh, and it has Wi-Fi or something, right? I think you can control it through the GBSC yeah. interface. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it communicates through Wi-Fi, so you can either use your computer or your phone or whatnot. Personally, I prefer the ones with the little LCD display. Like, call me a simpleton, but I don't like the idea of, like, busting out my phone. Like, all right, time to adjust my menus. And all of a sudden, I get a call. Uh, call. Like, what are you doing? Please stop calling me. I'm trying to play some, uh, uh, play some magical chase through the GPS 8200. But, no, it's... It's cool. It's like it, that's why I could say about it. It's just really cool. It, it, but the unfortunate thing is that, like you said, this is something that's meant more to be assembled in an assembly line. This is not something that's like very user friendly. It would be a cool. Uh, maybe we should reach out to somebody, um, Castle. Castlemania or something, maybe they'll be willing to at least uh, populate all the components that are not from the GBSC of the GBS A200. The, the, the issue, though, would be to find um, like stocks of the CPU 
that he uses because you got to remember that's a custom chip that's designed specifically for the GBS. So I'm sure you can still find them, but that's going to be the tricky part about getting these, uh, you know, pre-made because you're, you're left with one of two, one of two options, either find some, uh, a stock of those, uh, CPUs or, buy a stock of GBS boards to harvest. And the downside with that is that it artificially raises the price. Yeah, I suppose if they're not completely assembled and like tested, then you leave people space to complain. So, or or mess it up and want money back or something. So maybe that's not a great idea. Though, if I have to be honest, technically speaking, this thing is not for the intended use uh, for the use that I want to use it for. Its intended use is for um, those little IPS LCDs that accept VGA. Because it was built for an SNES portable. I'm just saying that I uh, I would love to take something like that and shove it in like I don't know a 3DO. Now, wh- who would uh, who exactly would be excited for uh, for me to shove uh, <laughs> shove a, a GBS inside a 3DO? I don't know. Maybe some very very dedicated 3DO fans, but that's uh, but I'm pretty sure all two of them wouldn't really. Uh, wouldn't really want to see me defile a good 3DO case. <laughs> I, I was thinking about this the other day, and this might be relevant to Red Herring. So I, I was able to score two um, NES RGBs the other day. Uh, <laughs> so why did you talk to your Red specifically about that? Well, no, I have a, um, I have a uh, Twin Famicom, and I was thinking about, you know, yeah, you know, I'm not necessarily sure. If, I, I I have a friend that put the multi out, so they they case modded it. They have a multi out in the back. Uh, I don't know if I want to do that. And I know the other alternative is like you can cut the traces on the the uh, RF uh, plug because it's like the same same footprint, I guess, as the <laughs> for whatever reason the Neo Geo. <laughs> So you could use the Neo Geo, like the AES cable. So like, I guess you could use the Neo Geo to uh, Genesis Model 2, and you could use um, HD retrovision cables. So I was thinking of doing that. Like, the schema- it's pretty easy schematics for doing that, but that, that involves cutting the traces. So I saw some other person, I, although I wasn't able to get his 3D printing files work, but he had some some STL files that are supposed to be, like you, you desolder, the RF jack and you just use the uh, NES RGB mini DIN and it like is a little like 3D printed clamp thing so you kind of manually wire up this uh, R- uh, NES RGB one and so I don't know I'm just curious if anybody out there has a good solution for the twin Famicom because I know that there aren't any <laughs> that I've seen <laughs> Other than the case mod or, or using that jack, RF jack. Well, the thing is, though, I've, I've been seeing some people be kind of iffy about RGB modding twin Famicoms lately. Um, 
mainly because, ooh, they're so rare. I don't think they're as rare as you think they are. Um, Actually, I don't know herring. why I shouted out Red Herring. He's probably like, he's probably rolling his eyes in his head. He hates any SRGB. Uh, I was uh, I was teasing him the other day actually. Um, let me see if I if I could fi- find the message. Um, oh, I, I I made a joke about him doing lo- uh, uh, taking the one of his uh, shaved down PPUs and then hand wiring it to an sRGB so you could do low profile <laughs> mode. <laughs> nice. Yeah, get, get, <laughs> yeah. I guess you could. Uh, you put traces. Could you put vias on the board, uh, red herring, that I could hook up to an NES RGB? <laughs> and then uh, he I, he commented something like, uh, "Like, man, you're gonna give me a stroke." And then uh, uh, and then I made a joke about saying, "Like, I proceed to wire it, uh, wire both a shaved down CPU and PPU to a high def NES." Thus triggering Red Stroke 3, The Reckoning. Oh, my God. The sad part about that, though, is I'm actually kind of curious because, yeah, having a severely shaved down uh, CPU and PPU could actually allow for a lower profile so I guess you'd be able to fit an ESRG B and say like an OG Famicom easier that way. <laughs> Though I'm pretty sure uh, uh, all I would be met with is Red disapproving of my methods. I'm so upset. This Tang Nano card that I bought, like the clock is going to be wrong. It has a it has like a crystal on board for a clock, but the clock won't work for like 15 liquids display modes because the clock on board is for like HDMI timings. So now I have to go find another crystal. I'm excited that that's showing up everywhere, though. That's a much cheaper FPGA than some of the other ones available. It's also, this is the first time I've ever worked with a very low-power chip. Like, super low-power. Actually, um, something that I've been, uh, that I was also talking to Red about, and this is something that I've been thinking about for a while. I've had a few NESs with dead CPUs come my way before. And I've also had plenty of Super Nintendo that do that too. But I can't help but to feel that at this point in time, we need to find a way to like take some of the code from like the Mr. Cores or whatnot and basically just make replacement chips for real hardware. Me and Muramasa were totally talking about that earlier this week. Like, I totally asked him that question. 
And he actually had a very insightful answer. Um, it kind of has to go with, um, I didn't really realize like a lot of these chips are like mixed analog, mixed digital chips. So if the chip is all digital, you can use an FPGA. Now, if it's an analog mixed chip, there really isn't such thing as a programmable analog chip, if that makes sense. And that is the problem. Well, how do the hmm. uh, how does Mister give analog out? Oh, the uh, the shield, right? The they use yeah, resistor. Numbers. That's what I saw. And actually, the the outputs that it's hooked to. Um, let me, yeah, it uses like a form of resistor ladders. I, I specifically looked at that schematic before I looked at it. And if I remember correctly, it's like resistor downs or something like that. Um, <laughs> it's cheap. It's bad. I mean, it works, obviously, but like analog stuff is totally different. Than yeah, I don't, I don't see anybody making any mixed chips to fix Nintendo's anytime soon because that would just require too much money. You know what would be an excellent idea, though? What? Ditch the CPU and PPU entirely. Make one chip NESs. Yeah, that's called the analog NT. <laughs> Literally. I mean, sure, sure, but think about it. You can turn any official NES into a one-chip NES. There's that. I mean, yeah, there's that too. Um, I think I think you can make a CPU replace. I don't think the CPU is a mixed chip. I, I think, think the it. CPU, the CPU, if I remember correctly, is all digital. Um, the PPU is mixed. Uh, yeah, because uh, it's got, like, composite video out on it. Yeah. Um, but even then, the PPU algorithm has, uh, like, you guys saw the Bob stream where he uh, t- checked out that hybrid NES clone, right? Uh, no, I didn't, actually. So, um, I sent Bob a, uh, a hybrid NES clone console where it uses a CPU, whether it's genuine or uh, genuine or not, but the PPU is handled by a FPGA, so it's a hybrid system. Oh, that's the seller that makes the uh, that Genesis one too. Well, right. the th- well, the thing is though, all they did was just take an existing circuit and then adjusted it a bit. Like they added the ability to you know, use regular NES controllers and they gave it a nicer shell. Because the circuit has been around before they were even a thing. Like, that that's, uh, that circuit has been around on AliExpress for years. But, you know, they're just the first ones to actually make it more readily available, uh, not readily available, but uh, more user-friendly with people who would be interested in that kind of stuff. You know, why would I want to use a, 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 D, a, a DB9 connector controller or a barrel jack uh, plug when I can use a USB plug 
and NES controllers. But um, while it's a neat little piece of kit, I will say it does have flaws. And I, I, I really need to do a video about that. Uh, but basically, there were some flaws that I noted when I did try it out. And that I had two cartridges that don't power up correctly with that thing. Aren't they pretty expensive, too? So the two car, oh yeah, uh, just the kit alone. That's the the board, the shell, uh, the board and the shell. No CPU. I think that cost me like two hundred, and it would have costed me like two fifty or three hundred dollars if I bought it with the CPU. Yeah, that's a lot. But yeah, these are pricey. But the reason why I was interested in it is because it has a uh, a 480p mode. That's interesting because if you if you give it a good VGA to HDMI converter, boom, you basically have a good uh, a good HDMI NES solution right there. Granted, yeah, it's not 1080p or 720p, but you know. Why, why try to track down a really hard-to-find high-def NES kit or shell out way too much for an analog NT Mini when you can just have this and it does the job just fine? At that point, they just design a, a shield for the Raspberry Pi for that fits in the NES. Fair enough. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it... it uh, what was I getting with that? Oh, so anyways. So the PPU, uh, making it work in an FPGA environment is not, uh, is not difficult. Uh, it's, I, I don't want to say not difficult. Rather, it's not impossible. It just seems that you would have to redo the whole thing from scratch. But... My question, though, is how small of an FPGA we, can we fit the, P, the PPU algorithm in? Because the, 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 uh, the FPGA used, I think it was like an Altera Max, uh, Altera Max uh, chip. It's, it wasn't a Cyclone chip. The, the the vendor won't matter that much. It really won't. It's because the PPU, it, it, like I said, it's got analog functions in it. The only the only thing this would be so difficult to do, but it, it, it's possible. But if the like for example, if the only analog functions were like composite out, I don't think that's the only one. If that was like the only one. You'd have to use like an external like DAC that does like digital to composite or something. Well, yeah. So, one, um, one.
but yeah, I was wondering the same thing. Like how come a lot of guys haven't, um, made like digital replacements for a lot of these failing PPUs and CPUs. And it's like, Oh, it's because they're mixed chips. Like, Oh yeah, that's pretty much impossible. Yeah. So the thing is though, it's like, we, I know that the PPU algorithm is possible through a, uh, through FPGA. It's just like you said, you would need a, uh, like a separate DAC or a uh, converter because the, uh, the, the uh, NES clone that I have, it does use an, an encoder circuit for, uh, for S video composite output and whatnot. And it, I think it also does have a DAC if I remember correctly, but that's just kind of the caveat. Like we can, re- we can basically just make our own PPU the problem at that point is there would have to be some extra circuitry to have it spit out just composite video. Yeah, that's true. But then again, like, I mean, the cap, like the argument against that is who's going to use composite in 2022? Like, that's true. also like, a very valid argument. Like, well, everyone's going to use RGB. Or some type of video processor. Yeah. So there is that argument to be made. Um, the CPU, on the other hand, I feel that between the CPU and PPU for NES, I'd say the CPU is a bigger importance because you can get clone PPUs and they're not that bad. They're just not that great. Do they actually work with uh, with real CPUs or no? Yes. They do. Oh, that's it's surprising. Just, it's just they don't. Uh, I think the colors are a little bit uh, are a little more saturated on them, though. Um, not like you by can, a huge you amount. Can, you can mod that and fix it. That's well, maybe, <laughs> maybe mod it and fix it. Probably not. You can tune the circuit a little bit to compensate, but. Other than that, the PPUs aren't uh, the clone PPUs aren't that bad. The clone CPUs, however, are trash. Uh, it's mainly because they have reverse duty cycle audio, and it sounds fucking atrocious. Like, literally, if you want an example of what reverse duty sounds like, look at the Retron HD. Oh no way! I refuse to look at those Retron consoles. Refuse. But my, my point is, uh, the, uh, that's the problem that, uh, that the clone CPUs have. The only difference is that the compatibility is better, but the problem is that the audio is just ass. Yeah, they just totally skipped out and totally didn't fix that, per se. What's funny is that there are CPUs out there are... Uh, uh, there were clone CPUs out there that did have correct duty cycle audio, but the DPCM channel was reversed. <laughs> so it doesn't matter which way you go. For currently speaking, any sort of clone CPU implementation, the NES is going to have something flipped. Either the whole uh, reverse duty cycle is flipped. Or the DPCM channel is flipped. 
Oh, Fenris, I'm not so sure if you if you uh, are you uh, knowledgeable on the Famicom clone consoles. Um, specific. Uh, what are you looking for specifically? So I bought a Doctor PC Junior. And I've been trying to get that for a long time, and I bought the first one that ever appeared for sale ever. Aren't those the like, ever in No, it's a Famicom clone, but it has a computer built in it. I've seen those before, but I... Yeah, and they're quite hard to find. Yeah, I've seen them before, but I've only ever met one person who had uh, had one. Uh, there's a friend. Yeah. Uh, sorry. They have like apparently they had like a custom form of DOS and a custom CPU, or I don't know. It's it's actually not well documented in terms of like what's inside, but basically you turn it on, and it runs like its own form of DOS, and you can put a Famicom cartridge in it and play a game. Hmm. That sounds like uh, I wonder if it's uh, if it just runs off a straight sixty five oh two CPU. That's sort of what I was suspecting. Which, technically speaking, the NES can run if you use a genuine sixty five oh two. It's just you don't get audio or controller interfaces. That's something they added to the to the two two a oh three. I think that's the CPU. Oh, that's interesting. I never knew that. So they actually, so they actually just used a normal processor and just added very few things to it. Yeah, um, they added uh, audio processing and then controller pro- uh, controller inputs because, typically speaking, uh, I think if I remember correctly, computers that used the sixty five hundred two handled things like keyboard inputs uh, separately. Oh yeah, that reminds me. This clone, this clone console, it can take a, it can use a keyboard, a tape drive, and it has a floppy drive built into it. Like I'm quite excited when it gets here. It's gonna be quite interesting to use. I would suggest cracking it open and uh, getting pictures of the inside because that's interesting. If it's if it's legitimately a 6502 assembly computer. Just running, uh, uh, but has compatibility with Famicom. I'm curious to see uh, if it's like a case where the PPU is being emulated to some capacity, or if it's like it has like the 6502 CPU, but a a clone Rico PPU. Oh, if there's a clone one in there, I'll I'll put a real one in it. <laughs> it I don't know. It might break stuff. I'm not sure. Like I think I, I think there's like one website on the entire internet has information about it, and apparently, I don't know. Like like I I actually I couldn't really get a lot of info. So I, I, maybe you're right. Maybe I should just take photos and like post them online and be like. Hey, are these like? Do they harvest this from like a Famicom or no? You know what you should do? What load Mega Man on DOS? No way. Do it. 
Actually, I don't know if like I have to turn it on and then it magically starts working or not. Like like if I have to put the card in when it's off and then turn it on and then it just runs the card automatically. Like I really don't know how it works. I do have a keyboard I can use with it though. Like it had its own keyboard and it had a mouse and it had a gamepad. But I only bought it like just the unit, and it was confirmed, shown working, and everything. So I have the keyboard. I don't have a I don't have a gamepad to hook up to it though. It probably uses the DB9 D pad. Yeah, it is a DB9. That's correct. So, which I think was used on the. Isn't that on like Twin Famicom? No. So a lot of clone fam- uh, Famiclones use db9 connections in place of like traditional nes controller connections you can if if it's the same clone db9 interface you can actually wire a uh, you can wire an nes controller to work off of it using a sega genesis cable oh that's crazy wow <laughs> i might do that if that's if if it's that easy i'll just do that Actually, I don't even have a NES controller. I, ha- I only have the wireless one, so I should probably go find a NES controller sometime. Yeah. But you gotta. But be warned: you have to make. Sh- uh, you do not wire it. Uh, this uh, to you do not wire it to match uh, a uh, a Sega Genesis pad. You basically have to look up reference guides in terms of what pin does what, and then you have to wire it manually like that. Oh man, work. There are plenty of guides out there. Um, I rem- the pinout, the pinout is actually documented for that, though. Thankfully. Yeah. So you can wire a controller to work on it, or if you're masochistic enough, maybe you can get an Atari controller to work on it. You know, it'd be wild if I can get a Famicom disk system working on it. That would be super crazy. <laughs> Although kind of redundant when you think about it. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, but it'd be funny. I know. For you know what, I, that, that's something I will try. Like, I'll get a Famicom disc system, disc system, and I'll see if I can get it working. But I, I highly doubt like it would function as it should. What I would say is worth testing out is seeing if. <laughs> get 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 a uh, a seventy two to sixty pin converter, and then a sixty to seventy two pin converter. Basically, see how high you can stack a cartridge tower. Oh man! Maybe put a game genie in between that. I don't even have a game genie. I don't own one. I yeah, I don't I don't have a NES game genie. I own every North American game genie ever released. And it wasn't even on purpose. It was just by complete accident. I remember when I was a kid, I uh I think my aunt she got like she got a Genesis and like a bunch of carts from the neighbors from like 
40 bucks. This is like in the late 90s, like 1998 or something. And one of the, and like a game genie was with one of it. And I figured out how to use it when I was like eight or nine years old. It was so crazy. It was like the most magical thing I've ever seen was using that game genie. I'd say the most useful game genie these days is the Genesis game genie. And there's a specific reason for that. The Genesis... Actually, did Game Genie allow you to bypass region lock or no? Uh, the Genesis one did. So, but it, uh, there's, uh, there's a catch. So, first of all, it, it acts as a cartridge pass-through. So, you know, if you buy a Mega Drive game from Japan, you can play it on a North American Genesis or vice versa. Um, actually, vice versa, you could just remove the locking tab. But anyways, uh, for a lot of early games, you just start the game. For some of the mid-year games, there's a master code for disabling the region check. And then for a lot of the later games, there's a list of codes specifically for disabling the region check. That's where the Genesis Game Genie is still useful. You can use it to disable region checks. Without having to like do a hard mod to your Mega Drive. Exactly. That's super helpful. I never knew that. There is a master code list online, so I remember there was like a tiny little book that came with it. And like you had to put the little book inside the game genie, if I remember correctly. And I thought it was like the coolest thing ever when I was a kid. Yeah, um, I actually was using a Genesis Game Genie for the longest time, but then I got an EverDrive, and that kind of rendered it redundant. But I uh, did recently place an e- uh, a uh, pre-order for Retro Game Restore's um, Genesis Model 2 shell, because oh, I didn't even know he was doing model two shells. Yeah, he's, his model his model one shell arrived at my house last week. Yeah, he recently started taking in pre orders for the model two, and I quickly put a pre order down uh, because I have a model two VA two dot three with a mega amp in it, and uh, I also have a couple of extra mods that I wanted to put in it. I have the Voltar Sega RGB. Um, yes, I know the triple bypass is cool and all. Da, 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 I, I like having the mega amp in it. But uh, aside from that, I have the Sega RGB. I also have uh, the real Phoenix for a time sold a all-in-one region mod for the um, uh, for the Genesis. It's a DFO and a switchless region mod built into one. So what I'm going to do is when I get the the shell in, I'm going to just install all these like mods in, into my board and then put it in the shell. So that way I can play all of my, uh, my imports and my domestic releases on, the, on this Genesis. 
Uh, and the only reason why I'm doing all this work for the VA 2.3 Genesis is because there's actually two variants of the VA 2.3. Wait, there's two? There's two variants, and they have different... Uh, it's. I think there's one with... Uh, it's The difference is the ASIC. Oh, man, Genesis had so many different ASICs. Well, in the case of the VA 2.3, it has two different ones. Uh, so there's the 315-5685, and the 315... Uh, 5685, I think it's like 5782 or something like that is the other one. You want the 5782 because that's going to be closer to matching uh, the Model 1. The 5685, however, actually has a highlight glitch. Oh, wow. And at first, uh, it, it has like a shadow highlight glitch. To it, and the thing is, though, when someone said that, I was like, "Oh, maybe it's like shadows underneath, like Echo the Dolphin doesn't appear." No, wrong shadows. <laughs> I got to see exactly what they were talking about, and it's like, "Holy hell, colors are crushed!" But yeah, certain shades of color either just doesn't manifest, or it's crushed to a, uh, to its nearest color. Oh, that is totally like a bug. <laughs> that's pretty bad. Yeah, that's uh, that's a bug present in most VA 2.3s because most VA 2.3s have a 5685 ASIC. The, the one you want, uh, the desirable one, is a 5786 ASIC because that one does not have the bug. And, uh, but the downside is those are not very common. I mean, the VA 2.3 on its own is a very hard to find system. Uh, it's actually super difficult to like identify what Genesis is, what revision without opening it. Yeah. The serial number gives you a good idea, but that's only going by, uh, going by uh, the idea that it wasn't just board swapped. But, yeah, I'd say uh, that uh, I, even with that bug, I would still say that my, uh, that my favorite Genesis to do, a trip, uh, do any sort of triple bypass mod on is the VA2 or VA2.3 Genesis Model 2. You basically get all the benefits of a Model 1 with a triple bypass with, uh, in a much smaller size. But the problem, though, is if you got to make sure that you got the good VA 2.3 to have the 100% experience. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck with like a 95% experience. I shouldn't mention, though, that this is not a problem with the VA 2. However, the VA 2 has its own issue. And I'd say 
What's the issue with the VA2? <laughs> it's basically the same problem as a Model 1 Genesis. Jail bars up the ass. Oh. Yeah. When they said that the VA2 is a condensed Model 1, they seriously meant it was a condensed Model 1. Jail bars and all. Uh, I thought that was hilarious. But hey, you know what? It doesn't matter if you do... Uh, it doesn't matter when you think about it because that uh, all you have to do is just install a triple bypass and that's not a problem. It would just be kind of annoying to route uh, the RGB pins. Because the triple bypass board is designed uh, for a Model 2 is designed to sit on the DIN. So now you have to lift the pins off the ASIC and then run the wires from one side of the board to the other. I still think that someone, like probably not me because I've got too much stuff going on, obviously, with the Game Boy and PSP projects, but I'm like, super curious why nobody's made like a new replacement motherboard for the Genesis. Uh, we sort of uh, we sort of got one. Keyword, sort of. The MD light. <laughs> well that well I'm not wrong, am I? <laughs> No, you're not, you're not. You just can't use a mega CD with it. Um. Yeah, that is true, though. Um. I think it. The Genesis is kind of weird if you think about it. There are so many diehard Sega fans that do all sorts of really crazy shit with the Genesis and its hardware. But at the same time, they're not as crazy as NES fans in terms of reverse engineering the whole board. That's only been, uh, we've only seen a semblance of that more recently. Whereas like the NES, uh, NES or Famicom, there have been like reverse engineered boards since like the early 2000s. Yeah, those those have been supported pretty well. Yeah, like that that stuff's been around for years. Um, it's just that they they were mostly closed source for the longest time until people like Red uh, did the Open Tendo. Yeah, he he spent a lot of time on that. I do wonder. I, I wonder if someone will ever. Oh, like the Saturn. Saturn could really use another board because there's a lot of video noise on the Saturn. No one ever, no one ever acknowledges that, by the way. But there is video noise on Saturn boards. Well, it's because every time I hear someone talk about Saturn, they're like, "Oh yeah, S video, oh, RGB, it's so good." Well, I mean, actually, to be honest, Saturn with S video looks really good. I know. It um, does. I'm just taking the piss. Like, yeah, no, I get, no, I get it, but. Like even if you compare like RGB versus S video with Saturn, it's 
really difficult to tell the difference between the two. Interesting. Like that's just my, that's just my take on it. Well, interestingly enough, <laughs> uh, apparently S video was more commonly supported in Japan than it was here in North America. I've ne- I didn't even know that. I thought I thought it was the total opposite. It's like it's like everything. Every time you see like Saturns for sale in Japan, it always comes with a composite cable. Well, that's because that's what they always came with. But think about it. Um, the the uh, Super Famicom TV. It doesn't use the RGB signal. That's correct. Yes, and uh, for the longest time, Japan. A lot of Japanese displays, a lot of Japanese displays still supported S video for even well into the HD era. Oh yeah, Japan. Japan didn't even adopt a component. Well, they they no. Well, okay, they did adopt it. D terminal. It, it was in the form. Yeah, it was in the form of the D terminal connector. It was like it is component, but they just want to use a D terminal connector. Which was really annoying. I mean, to be fair, at the very least, before the Carby, the D-Terminal GameCube cables were like the easiest way to get cheaper component cables. Yeah, yeah, I know. I have them. <laughs> I, sadly, I messed out on that boat. I, I think I could still get a set for like a hundred bucks. Um, but no, no, they're like they're exceeding two hundred dollars. God damn it. I know it's like crap. Like, is it? I mean, the D terminal to component adapter alone is like twenty to thirty bucks. Yeah, I think I paid twenty dollars for mine. I think the only reason why people were able to get them so cheap is because nobody for the longest time knew about the D terminal cable. Yeah, I don't know who said. Th- I don't know who said that secret, but someone did, and now they're the same price almost. Yeah. I know the authentic GameCube cables are in the three hundred dollar. They're they're at three hundred dollars now, which is nuts. Yeah, wasn't the whole point of GC Video to make the GameCube component cables obsolete? Yeah, it pretty much was. And well, I I think like the fact that oh look, there's the GC loader there, and then like all the other GameCube mods that have come out have like made the GameCube more relevant than ever, and I guess people just want the authentic cables with it. And the authentic cables are so expensive now. Well, then again, like the caveat on that, like, so if you look at, well, actually, no, even, even if you did like a GC dual mod, it's so I was about to say, Oh, the GC dual mod and you pay someone to install it. You're going to be almost in the component cable range as far as how much that would cost. It, it's close. It's not the exact, but it's close. But then I remembered. Oh wait, the Carby exists. Yeah, the Carby is set, is like eighty bucks, and all you need at that point is a good HDMI to component converter, which I always use Porta. But that aside, you know, going from HDMI to component is not a difficult task. <laughs> And in the case of GameCube, uh, GameCube um, 
I do find it funny talking about the the people with the the authentic cables. Like I still get that in groups. Like I was like, just get the the component cables. Like oh, you need to get the authentic ones. I don't do it. It's not official. It's like yeah, I don't want to pay three hundred dollars for a fucking cable. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, here's my problem with the component. Cable. So I've talked to people who. Uh, who are like getting back into GameCube. I'm like, there are all these other options. I show them a Carby and they're like, I'm going to throw your fucking phone. They tell that <laughs> to me. And I was like, pardon? And he's like, yeah, that get that shit out of my face. Everyone knows that uh, that clone uh, that Chinese clone crap sucks. I'm like, wow, first of all, that's kind of racist. Secondly, um, excuse me? I showed you the Carby. This is the good the one. The real, yeah. Yeah, the good one. But no, he, well, it was like full Puritan, first party Nintendo only. Like, don't even show them like any other options that saves them money, but only Nintendo branded stuff. Like, dude didn't oh, even, gosh. Dude, dude didn't <laughs> even want to brand that to begin with. Like, they're kind of like, I mean, it's like they, they sell them this third party thing. It's like, it's literally probably better quality than the Nintendo ones or on par. Like, like, I mean, $300 and a lot of it's just the fucking sellers that try to hawk this shit on like Facebook marketplace like mm, well I mean it's an official thing and it's like it's gonna look better it's like no it doesn't what proof do you have of this you don't you just bullshit and sell your goddamn $300 cables no thank you the, 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 the thing is though Extrems Extrems did a full analysis of like the different cable options I think um, the conclusive result was like your best bet is going to be a GC Duel with uh, HDMI to component conversion. That sounds like an oxymoron, but um, considering the source is like pure digital to digital from the like directly from the chipset, it makes sense. That's going to be the cleanest picture you can get. The problems he hi- uh, he highlighted with like the uh, <laughs> the uh, the butt fucks slash retro bit uh, component cables is that they oh god they, they are extremely noisy and for some reason the left and right audio channels are flipped. Oh yeah, I remember him posting that on the forums, and I'm like, just the fact that they messed up the audio channels, like how do you mess that up? Like, <laughs> apparently, like how? apparently it's because these component cables are based off of a GC uh, video variant from like the early days that also had this bug. Oh, oh man, we need, we need to have a uh, have people incorporating stuff where like a left channel and right channel things like people test the stuff. The fortunate thing is that with the component cables, at least left channel, right channel things, not a problem. Well, it's a problem, but not a big problem. All you gotta do is just unplug it and flip them. It, it's like buying third-party Saturn uh, video, AV cables. The left and right channels are just flipped on them. So just yeah, I, I remember when well, <coughs> me. I remember when Shiro got a bunch of cables, like those like pound cables sort of variants to test. And the guy, it was like an it's basically that HDMI box instead of a cable. And essentially, what happened is that he read the diagram wrong, and it was left channel, right channel. 
But you couldn't switch because it's all internally digital. Well, you could switch it. You would just have to crack open the cable and then uh, desolder the wires and then flip them. <laughs> That's yeah, true. Exactly. It's like, uh, how about you make your cable not garbage? Yeah. <laughs> Which, speaking of, actually, you know what? We can't have a retro gaming discussion without talking about uh, about the clone stuff. We've had it for every retro gaming discussion. We got to have to have another one here. So, what is going on in the world of butt fucks slash retro scalers? Oh, how about how about supposedly, uh, supposedly latency free 1080p. RGB to HDMI cables, as well as RGB line doubling HDMI cables for the Saturn. So, I don't know about that first one, but the second one, you are basically telling me you just cloned the Rad 2X. Well, they kind of, I think they cloned it like last year, but it's all messed up. Like, they didn't even do it right, dude. Like, they. You could only get S video out of it. No, like composite. And S, like they couldn't even get RGB out of the Rad 2X clone. Well, the, the their first attempt was a clone of the Eon Super 64. The, their second yeah. attempt is actually a clone of the Rad 2X. I like how somebody cloned the Eon 64 when that wasn't very good to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I I don't understand. It's like it's like it's like one of those box the, the HDMI scalar boxes. It's like why would you do that? No, you know what? That's like uh, that's like cloning. That's that's like if you were to say I'm gonna clone uh, uh I'm gonna clone uh clone a Ford. For those that don't know, there's a reason why Ford's abbreviation is fucked over rebuilt Dodge or found on road dead. Yeah. So, but car, car knowledge aside, yeah, could be worse. Could be a uh, could be Nissan Nissan putting a BMW engine in their car. Fair. Um, or what was it? What was it? BMW or was it somebody else? I can't remember that. I think it was T- basically their eight sixes were literally just BMW engines in there. No, the, no, it was the the, the Supras. The Supras literally just fucking BMW engines. But. But yeah, it's like I never understood that logic. Like, all right, we're gonna clone another product. What should we clone? We should clone the Rad Two X since we already have the documents. Nah, man, we gotta clone the clone. <laughs> the Eon Super Sixty Four is a clone of the Retro Tank Two X. So they cloned a clone. What? Oh, it's yeah, it's companies, man. But yeah, so I saw the uh, the reason why I bring them up again for this discussion is because I saw like someone post about their Genesis cables, and they were all like, "Oh yeah, it displays in 1080p and it has no lag." And I'm like, but where's your readings, though? 
It has no lag, but I, I, that's not my question. Where are your readings? Like, like that, that's the thing. At this point in time, I'm trained to, to where I don't take someone's uh, word at face value. I'm like, present your readings. But Canadian Gamer said it was good, so. Oh, gosh, that guy. Oh, oh. Yeah. My favorite thing is, like, yeah, I, I, honestly, I think he's just a troll. There's no way he's serious. Yeah. Uh, like, he can't be that stupid. I think Canadian Gamer is trying to, it, it, it's exactly what you said. It's like, uh, I'm not trying to throw shade at the guy because I don't know him personally, but I can't help but to feel like he's intentionally just baiting for attention. That's what I think, too. Like, like it was only a matter of time until the retro community had, like, one of those trolls. Because if you th- Yeah, this actually t- took a lot longer than I thought, yeah. Yeah, like, like usually, uh, there's always that one person where it's like, th- their whole existence is just a troll. That's their gimmick. And it was only a matter of time until the retro community had at least one person be like that. Well, like, he did a video, like, ripping into, like, the RetroTank 5X, and I watched it. I spent, like, three minutes watching it. It was only, like, a five-minute video. This dude, I shit you not, said, yeah, this thing is what? It costs ten bucks to make. I'm like, you have no idea how much it costs to make that device. (laughs) It costs, like, what, ten bucks to make? Okay, so you apparently heard the the $10 FPGA joke, but failed to realize it was specifically the FPGA, not the whole damn thing. Not not getting them all manufactured and injection molding. Like, like that gizmo cost at least $250 to make. That's like low end at least $250. Is that, is that counting R&D and research and stuff? No, it's not. No, it's not counting that at all. This is like raw material cost at, at probably like in the two fifty range. But to be honest, um, I kind of don't want to know because Mike really just deserves every penny. Um, that's just I would have paid four fifty for it. Oh, dude, no, yeah, like uh, yeah, I'm surprised he settled on that price range. Actually, you know what? That that would actually, uh, you know what? This actually makes for a good uh, good subject transition. Uh, Mike Chi and the RetroTank. So currently he's still developing the RetroTank 4K. And so far it's looking interesting. So it looks like he's adding a 120 hertz support for lower resolutions, basically anything below 4K. And I'm like, that's interesting. I want to see where this goes. Like I, I I don't see a purpose in like home consoles with using 120 hertz because most home consoles don't use 120 hertz modes at at that low of resolution. I'm pretty sure. Uh, no, I don't count the PS5. Um, but it would be interesting because this would actually allow for like DOS computers to run better on these devices. Since those are typically like 75 hertz. And if you know anything about trying to use an old DOS machine on a modern uh, on modern displays, 
They are not easy nor fun. You know, it's funny. We have yet to see video action of the morph running. Actually, the morph can't even do 4K, can it? No, it's. Uh, I think it caps out at 1440p at 4, what, 4 by 3 There's no reason to get the morph then. There's literally no reason. Like, it, it, it's interesting because, like, Mike, Mike was planning. He was planning on making a really good scaler for like a few years. Like, you know, because he learned from the retro tank, the two X, the two X Pro. You know, he learned a lot from those, and then he's like, "Okay, I'm going to make the big one." And he timed it just right. Where like Pixel FX, they're like, "We're making the morph." He released it right, but right after they said that is when he put it for sale. And for a while, I'm like, yeah, Mike timed it right. Uh, Mike uh, sold it right before the Morph came on the market. He he timed it perfect. And, you know, the OSSC Pro is in, like, developmental hell right now. So, but now they don't even have, like, the Morph scaler. It's like, well, no one's seen it work. Yeah. We, like, we know the OSSC Pro exists because there are prototype units out there. Um, it's basically the M2, the 3DO M2 of the scalar realm right now. Actually, does the OSSC Pro do 4K? Uh, no, I think it also caps out at 1440p. So Mike Chi has made the only 4K scalar. Yes and no. You got to remember that um, the RetroTink 5X Pro, the OSSC Pro, and the Pixel FX Morph are essentially... Actually, no, sorry. The Pixel FX Morph apparently has a $35 FPGA. Um, but even then, apparently that $35 FPGA is stuck at 1440p and the only thing we've seen of it is renders. Yeah, we've never seen it working. Like, we've seen, like, photos of, like, oh, we're testing it. It's like, but but you've never shown it in your mic, like, look what I can do with my new 4K scaling. I can, I can show clown pictures at 4K. <laughs> to which, at, at, to which people then... I see people whenever that he does like the clown picture, people are uh, then get on the whole moon joke. When oh, and I'm like, actually, fat finger my fat finger the lead by mistake. My bad. It happens. But but yeah, it's like the only thing we've seen of pixel FX outside of uh, outside of the HDMI mods is the companion piece for the morph the infinity scaler I scaler uh, the infinity switch they're too late with that <laughs> like like ev- like what I mean is like everyone already has switches of course I have a switch and a switch light. Well, <laughs> no, I mean, like, everyone's got video switches. Like, like the only – I thought of trying to do this, but I just – again, I've got too much going on. I thought of trying a switch where you take, like, eight start inputs 
And then it outputs RGB, component video, and VGA. You want to know what's the other problem? The video degradation. Well, not just that, but um, the other problem is the China AliEx, uh, the China uh, manufactured uh, SCART switchers are actually not bad. I actually, I haven't grabbed any, but I see it like, I think it's like Time Harvest and another seller. Yeah, so they have like all the switches. Yeah, so basically there's two different variants. There's one that's based off of the retro otaku switches, which I'm kind of convinced that that's where they get theirs from. Um, yeah, and it's pretty good, actually. I have that one. It's really good. And the other one is just the Hydra. Wait, so did they, did they clone the Hydra? Uh, I think... I Don't quote me on this, but I think... Um, it was a yeah. I think it might have been cloned, um, because I have a feeling that they might have gotten uh, Luthor or I don't remember who who did the Hydra, um, but I think they probably sent their stuff out to China for manufacturing. But unfortunately, they might have uh, got roped in by a company that was not gonna keep it a secret. Honestly, I really wish I could want another Switch, but the G-Scarch is so good. I just have no reason to get another one. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Like, the G-Scarch also exists. The, the, but yeah, it's it's like what uh, CO said. Th- there's already options for switches uh, switchers out there. And, you know, sure, the Infinity has, like, that whole thing where you can, like, switch heads. But... Realistically speaking, I don't think anyone's going to be utilizing that feature. Yeah, at this point, though, it's like there's so much component. I don't think I can in good faith recommend people going SCART anymore. I actually went component for a bit. And then I switched. Yeah, any, anyone new, I just recommend them to get the retrovision cables. Yeah, because like, I went SCART, but that's back in 15, 16, where that's all there was. Yeah. And it's like, and it's like, well, all my setups already, like, like, like using SCART, so I don't want to switch to Retrovision now. But if I could do it all over, I would. You, you want to know? Same. Uh, you want to know how far I've gotten with this? So I st- sure. I started with SCART through a uh, what what do you call uh, the Extron Matrix switchers? The cross points. Yeah, the cross points. Um, and then I switched to component video. Now, I'm doing RGBS through D sub 15. Okay, that, that's an option. Yeah, so th- th- there's a lot of benefits with doing it this way. One, um, VGA cables are extremely cheap, and they are most, for the most part, most of them are shielded. Um, two, the audio line is broken out, so you don't have to worry about the audio being crossed with the video line. Three, there's no voltage signal that runs in the cable. But wouldn't you need to get all the cables created for that, like for each system for a D-sub? Well, I don't think that's very common. Well, that's where Jeff Chen comes into play. He's made adapters for consoles that you can build yourself that you can interface off a D-sub 15 connector. 
and they're okay. That's interesting. Yeah, and they're not expensive to make either. Like I think it's like a couple bucks for like a set of three uh, boards, and the parts are like like sub one dollar. It's not too awful. Yeah. Um, so the more expensive part is just building the adapter. The cheap part, however, is the cable. You can literally get a pack of ten like good quality VGA cables for like nothing. Yeah, no, they're pretty pretty fairly affordable, especially if you get the ones you can make yourself with the the heads that just pop on. Yeah, and that's how, that's how I actually uh, do do it for all my analog consoles, um, minus the Wii and uh, the Wii. I use component cables. I use um, what else did I use component cables for? Um, the Wii I use component. I have a HDMI to component converter in my chain. And I think I'm going to be right. doing a component on my original Xbox as well because the Stella uh, the the Stellar mod chip is supposed to fix any sort of video issues that is normally uh, present on a stock Xbox. All right. Yeah, the, that if you don't own an Xbox yet, this is the reason to get an Xbox now. <laughs> I, I I actually lost my my first one in Hurricane Sandy years ago, but I got a new one back. I just miss all my modded stuff and my games. <laughs> yeah, like that mod shit. It's really really Dustin spent a ton of time writing the custom kernel and OS like that's the reason to get this chip is all of that like, that he did a crazy amount of coding for that yeah um what i'm probably going to do is i'm going to get uh, i missed out on getting the the stellar uh, the stella mod chip because i was too busy investing money on the uh on the OMBS project which I decided to put that thing on hold for now because I feel that it's taking up a little too much of my time and I want to focus on other projects to, you know, keep the content flowing. Because I do like... No, I feel you. Yeah, I like posting my work. I like posting the what whatever I'm working on. But it's kind of difficult if you're, like, stuck for two to three weeks researching and developing a uh, an extension to a pre-existing mod. Hey, someone's got to do it, right? Well, true, but I also don't want it to interfere with my flow of content. Oh, that makes sense. Um, which, that's exactly what it was doing. It was interfering with uh, with my flow of content because I was spending so much time focusing on Neo Geo when I have, like, Super Famicoms on standby. I have Famicoms on standby. I have Genesis consoles on standby. I have a 3DO that's literally in pieces. I mean, you should probably keep it in pieces, but that's just my opinion. Well, the reason why it's in pieces is because I keep going back and forth. Do I want to fix the, uh, just replace the laser on it, or do I want to just get the the uh, the ODE? And I keep going back and forth on it because honestly, as as cool as the laser is, I might as well. If you don't have one ODE, I'd probably just do it. It's the only reason to do it at that point. 
Yeah, because the laser... At least this, you won't be killing a laser. Well, the laser's already dead on this thing, so... Yeah, like I said, it's not like you're killing a fresh laser or a laser that's working. It's dead already, so it's like, what's the best... That's the best opportunity to do it. Yeah. But uh, there's another reason why that, that, that I haven't worked on the 3DO much. I honestly do not give a shit. Because it's a 3DO? Yeah. I honestly don't give a shit about the 3DO. It was, I I literally got it for free because a friend of mine wanted me to fix one of his, uh, one of my friends got a debug 3DO and he wanted me to take apart a stock 3DO to fix his debug 3DO because his had a dead laser, but a stock unit that he had on standby had a good laser. Damn, everyone's getting free 3DOs around here. My co-host for the set, the Shiro Show got sent one by a, a guy on YouTube. He got like a, a 3D on like 13 games of it. And I'm like, God damn, he's like five. I like none. <laughs> but it's like, I didn't even think I'd play it if I had one. So probably don't send me one. Honestly, there would be only one game I would play on the 3DO. Is the tro- that Thunder one with uh, Hulk Hogan? No, I'm not freaking uh wrestle with gaming i don't know i thought uh, oh, that looked pretty sweet uh please not um gex oh that that works too it's only 30 hertz 30 frames per second though sadly and it doesn't matter i i like uh i like the idea of playing the game uh playing a mascot platformer on the platform they originated from that's kind of funny yeah i don't know i've, I've a lot of people are bigger. Or I've heard people that are fans of the 3DO version. I know that Saturn Day prefers the 3DO version of the Saturn version, but I kind of prefer the Saturn version. But that's just my opinion. It was also on PlayStation, which was probably the more common one. Oh, yeah, to that's see. right. Yeah, that's probably what more, most people played it on. I don't think a lot of people had a Saturn back in the day. Mm, yeah, and that's mainly because of Sega's uh, Sega's fault. You can buy the Saturn right now. Yeah, they kind of fucked that one up big time. The worst part about but, it is that yeah, it, yeah. The worst part about it is it wasn't a bad idea. It's just they didn't fucking communicate with uh, retailers. Yeah, not to mention they kind of dicked over devs when we talked to. We did interviews with a few devs, and it's like, yeah, we kind of like got blindsided, and it's like, you guys got the game ready? It's like, uh, no, it's not ready till November. Well, we're coming out and in May, and it's like, well, we can't do shit, so I guess have fun having no games until the end of the year. Yeah. So yeah, that was a big blunder. Yeah, meanwhile, the the Saturn got to enjoy like, uh, meanwhile, the Saturn got to enjoy a very successful uh, career in the Japanese market. Yeah, there's like 2,000 games for that in Japan, compared to like 300-something United States. We got shafted so hard on that. Tell me about it. Like, so many good CPS, uh, CPS2 fighters were released on the Saturn in Japan. Yeah, literally, we all, all we got is Alpha 1. They got all the Alphas. They got X-Men versus Street Fighter. We got Alpha 2 as well. Oh, I thought we... Oh, okay. It was Alpha 3. I thought we didn't get it. Yeah, no, you're, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. Alpha three we didn't get. Um, they uh, they had X Men versus Street Fighter. They had the Dungeons and Dragons uh, beat 'em ups. That was pretty sweet. Um, they also had a Vampire Savior two. Uh, 
over there. Yeah, no, they they had all the good games. Yeah, it's, it's funny how many how many t- times that title of the game changed though, all worldwide. Because Darkstalkers, Vampire Hunters, Vampire Saviors, it's kind of crazy. Funny enough, my local arcade actually has a uh, a Vampire Saviors two cabinet. God damn. Yeah, uh, and keep in mind that arcade was uh, was finished uh, finished construction like two months ago. Oh neat. Yeah, we I uh, we're getting a round one eventually and where I live, but like it's in the works. But round one are kinda dicks to me, so I don't know if I'm gonna go there. They're dicks to you. Yeah, like I remember I called them because like like I have I <laughs> sorry. Do you know what sound Voltex is? Uh I No. It's basically a Bamani game. It's like Beat Mania except with like DJ, like, like they, it's basically like Bamani, except it has these two, like, volume knobs, as well as the buttons. Yeah. So, I, I called them, because I had the printer for it, that prints out, like, cards after the game, and, like, they're the only ones in America that have them officially. So, I called them up and asked them if I get advice on a machine I was having issues with, because I know they had it, and I didn't. And they had, they were the only ones in the United States that had it. And the manager calls, like, uh, excuse me, uh, it's it's like please don't call back again. I have a tech on on here, and he, and he has better things to do than try to try, debug with somebody, somebody on a Sunday night. It's like please don't call back again. Bye. It's like cool, thanks, asshole. Well, that's not the tech's fault. That's uh, no, I'm not blaming the text. I'm blaming the manager being a dickhead. Yeah. Uh, the... Yeah, I wouldn't say that's uh, that's a round one thing. That's just the manager's a fucking. Cockwaffle. Yeah, it was kind of funny because the other round when I call in Vegas, like, it was very obviously, oh, yeah, we don't know anybody, but if you call Vegas, they'll probably help you out. Or sorry, call Tempe, Tucson, they'll probably help you out. So I did, and there were dickheads about it. It's like, I was like, yeah, I wouldn't at- call you. If I-. And it's like, why don't you try Googling it? And it's like, uh, dickhead, like, literally, you Google it. Google anything on Sound Voltex. Let me know what you come up with. That's not Japanese. It's like, you're really the only fuckers with arcade officially in America. I'm just a poor, poor kid that's trying to set set his own up in the United States. Yeah. Oh, also, I also it's pretty. I pretty much, well, I had to break EULA hardcore on that machine to get it working in the United States. By the way, don't tell Capcom. <laughs> yeah, they they had a, a the the round one in my area has a, they have a vampire savior cabinet. They also have a salamander two cabinet, which that. That one is that Skylander? No, Salamander. Oh, that is it Skylander. Skylander. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, no, they have a Salamander two cabinet, and I was just like, the fuck? Yeah, round one's kind of neat. I think I might, I might check it out once it comes. It, there, it's built in Tempe, but I ain't going to the Tempe, the Tucson one. They can go screw themselves. Uh, I uh. Like I don't know what their problem was, but they need to like adjust it immediately. Probably just the manager being a dickhead. Um, yeah, like I said, I would have drove down and fixed their cabs. They had needed help. So I actually, uh, I I think I attended round one on my own once, simply because I started. <laughs> I come home from work, 
and I jokingly, uh, I jokingly ask if I could have the uh, watermelon agua fresca powder uh, that was just sitting on the table. And, you know, I was told no. And I was like, whatever. But then, like, my sister thought it would be a good idea to keep pushing the issue. And it kind of resulted in this full argument over it. And I'm just like, what the fuck? So I was like, okay, I'm just going to go to round one now. Bye! Damn, yeah, they're pretty cool, though. They had, like, all these uh, obscure-ass arcades, but, like... Yeah, I think they have to, like, do some special deals with Capcom to get it working. Because they're official machines, like, on the Capcom network, like, or the, sorry, Konami network. So, like, it's, like, a pain in the ass to get a Bomani working. Yeah. Bomani working in the States on the newer ones. So, like, in Amer- like if you have it independently, you have to get it hacked because they're not letting you on the official network. Yeah. What I just like, like about round one is that, at least the one in my area, it's, um... It's both an arcade and a bowling alley. Oh, that's kind of neat. So, the something that most people uh, most people don't re- uh, don't uh, find uh, they they're kind of surprised when I say this, but it's like I actually like bowling. Um, I mean, bowling's fun. Well, it's because usually I talk about like video games and all that stuff. Like, oh, so you just like playing arcade games, right? Like well, yeah, but I also like to throw the uh, throw the ball down the lane and probably drop it on your foot if you're not paying attention. Yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of like to keep my hobbies varied beyond video games, mostly because when I talk to people, a lot of people aren't interested in my Volt Sound Voltex machine and the effort I got to print out my waifu cards. So usually I have stuff on unlock like bowling or like like talking about shows and news and shit or talking about music. Because I'm being into music as well, I don't know. I've done, like, podcasts with Bob from Metro be talking about vinyl and shit. Nice. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big music guy. I'm getting there. Um, I know, uh, let's see, the round one I uh, I went to, um, they said that they were looking to get, getting more, uh, getting other, ca- uh, other different types of cabinets in. And, and in my head, I'm like, Please give me some more retro ones. Yeah, no, I kind of like it because like it's it's like a lot of them they have are like obscure ass Japanese cabs that are not available in America. So like all the cool rhythm games that we can't get, like that dancing one. But retro ones would be kind of cool. But I usually like keep uh, other like little ones that are uh, little ones nearby that are kind of indie that have a lot of those retro ones. Yeah, they they have uh, they have. Oh, uh, they have a whole section of like dancing, uh, uh, different types of dancing rhythm games. Anything ranging from like your traditional DDR to literally you swinging around in front of a, uh, in front of a screen, like as if you're, uh, uh, like as if you're playing uh, Just Dance. Oh yeah, those are awesome. The dance ones have like a whole pad on the bottom, and you move your feet to it. Those ones are cool. I forgot the name of it, but I want to try those out, even though I probably suck at it. My problem, but those are pretty fun. They they look fun. My problem though is that I'll get too into it and I'll end up actually breaking something. Like leg wise or mechanic wise? Um, mechanic wise, because last time I got too 
too into a rhythm game with Tycho Drummaster, and I ended up breaking one of the sticks. Uh, that's not your fault. Those th- those things are. After a while, those things break. They're pretty. Fra- they're not. I wouldn't say fragile, but it's like drumsticks. They'd have to replace them anyways. Like even like the even like the uh, sound Voltex, the volume knobs go out on every six months in a public setting. So you have to replace those pretty often. I think I made it even more. But yeah. Uh, uh, it was more embarrassing with the Tyco Drum Master sticks because it was at like a pizza joint or, or whatever. I was there for a birthday party. So when the Tyco drum stick broke, it went flying and hit the birthday boy in the face. Well, that that's why I, that's why I try not to play rhythm games in arcades because that it, I get so into it because once the beat starts going and you get a good rhythm going, it's really easy to lose yourself. Yeah, yeah. I, I mostly like it because I like. I mostly have it because I just want a cabin in my house, and I don't want people watching me play anime songs. I actually don't have a cab yet, and I'm thinking of getting a city one next year. Get a Voltex, my dude. You will not regret it. What's what's the Voltex one? What's that? Is that better than the Net City one? Better than a what? Sorry, you cut off. Is it better than the Net City one? Oh, the Net City. Oh, you mean like a a, a candy cab? No. Sorry, I thought you meant a rhythm cab. No, get in that city. But no, if you want a good rhythm game, definitely get Sound Voltex. But net cities are pretty sweet because they have the tri sinks that are not that, that were in the Black City, except they're not bad. Like they don't have that that gunk issue, and yeah. they're pretty sweet. A lot of people and they're less desirable because they're not they're not Astros or Blast. You get them at a pretty decent price, but like everyone, the things that it's annoying that. That because it yellows on the on the front panel, but to me, I don't care. It's just yeah, really that, convenient. Yeah, that's not an issue to me. Yeah, but yeah, I think the Nets are a good cap because it's less desirable than the Blast and the Astros, and the and the less support the Arrows, and people don't realize how good they are. So it's like low key. It's like okay, you guys hate on them. I'll get these for cheap and have a tri sync that's as good as the Blast City one. Well, you want to know why the and Blast like, Cities and Astro Cities are so well known? It's because they're the ones. They're iconic, yeah. Yeah. Well, they're the ones that got the most media coverage. Yeah, I know for sure. And that's why I like the, the Net Cities. Cause you, and the best part is that they're wired already for Naomi stuff. So yep. you don't have to work around any bullshit. It's like plug and play, baby. Yeah, you, I, I think I would just need a JVS to JAMA setup or something like that. That's pretty easy to get. They have like the, they have like ones online that you can get. It's, I forgot who sells it, but you can look it up. It's, but it's pretty simple to get nowadays. I think, I, I think it's going JAMA to JVS is the slightly more annoying process. There is a, uh, it's interesting you mentioned that because there was actually a, a couple of flat panel cabinets I remember seeing. Um, it had a, one of them was Tekken. And the other was like Blaze Blue Cross Tag Team. But I remember seeing these cabinets before. And when I looked at, looked into it, they're, they're flat monitor cabinets. But when I was looking into it, I knew I'd seen it somewhere before. I, the Brooklyn video game, if I remember correctly, has a couple of these cabinets. Yeah, those are Namco Noirs, I believe. <laughs> yeah, they're flat, they're flat LCD displays. But apparently those LCDs are like very are, are zero latency. 
The newer's are really nice. Those in the Vulixes, but I'm not a big fan of the LCD ones because that's like, I don't know, it seems kind of a dumb thing to say. Probably check me if, if I say it, but like, it's like I can just play a flat screen and just play that on my TV. Yeah. I think the uh, I think the flat panel display ones work best with games that are more tuned for a flat panel display. Like, yeah, I know for sure. Like, I would not mind playing like Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle in an arcade setting, especially. Yeah, in an arcade setting, it's pretty cool. But like at home, like, and that's why I don't want to get a Vulex or a Nor. It's like I'll just play it on my flat screen or a. A low latency computer monitor with my uh, my my uh, my uh, Vulex uh, stick. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the downside uh, downside with those cabinets. It's like you play with what you got there. Meanwhile, like in a home setting, you can literally like bust out your own custom stick and have a uh, and have yourself a good time. Yeah. So yeah, as much as I do like those, and they're really pretty cabs. Like I can't knock. The Nors and the Vulixes, but to me, a flat screen cab in my home is kind of like, eh, I don't know. I'd rather just get a, I'd rather just get a rhythm cab that's flat screen at that point. Yeah, I think the main reason why people still get those cabinets is because they don't buy, uh, buy them in singles. They buy them in uh, duels, uh, in twos because they're meant to be linked together. Yeah. In all honesty, I think that'd be cool to see. It'd be cool to see those in those crappy like. Like three hundred games in one with like the fucking trackballs embedded <laughs> in the fucking. Like honestly, I would have. I, honestly, I'd have respect for this. Like, okay, that's kind of cool. You wanted something official, like in a Japanese cab, but you want some like a multi cab or something. Like, yeah, that's cool. That's fine. Whatever. It's as long as you're not butchering another cab. That's good. Good enough for me. But like, I see those cabs where it's like they fucking remove a Neo Geo and put a trackball in the middle of it. It's like what oh. the actual shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I saw a golden tea cab, uh, cab at a, uh, a barcade once. And I was like, there's something off about this golden tea cab. The lighting wasn't very good, but if you shine the light just right, you can see the cap, uh, a Capcom logo in the sides. I'm like, did they seriously turn a big blue into golden tea? That's not surprising. I've seen, I've seen way stupider with with some of these cabs. It's not even funny. Like, it's honestly, it's it's like to the. I almost chuckle sometimes seeing, like these dumb cabs that they modify and shit. It's like, come on, guys, what are you doing? Probably the strangest one I saw. Someone converted a Neo Geo cabinet into a Contra cabinet. That's kind of weird. It, That's really weird. It's very weird. Like imagine, uh, uh, imagine I'm I was going in. I I was like I'm gonna play a round of Contra, but every now and then I kind of glance. And I'm like, hang on, is this cabinet painted over? So after I was done with my game, again I shined the light a bit and I saw the Neo Geo logo underneath the black paint. I'm like, the fuck? Yeah, it's not surprising. A lot of people do that dumb shit. I just, at this point, honestly, I I, I ask them if they have the boards that they get rid of, and I just buy them off of them usually. That's usually that's usually how I get my boards. Actually, is that there's a guy locally that does that to cabs, 
And I just like, yo, can I buy the boards off him? And I get them for pretty cheap because he doesn't want them because he just wants to make like this multi-cade bullshit. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it sucks, but it's like, it's like a necessary evil. It's like, yeah, like I got like, I remember I got a, a, a um, MPS2 slot with Puzzle Bobble 2 and Arrow Fighters 3 for like, I think it was like, like, like a hundred bucks. That's actually not bad. No, that's a good deal. Yeah. Especially for it was pretty sweet. Yeah, hundred bucks, especially just for the two slot. A working two slot can go for like two hundred dollars easily. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. And I just, I just grabbed those games from. I mean, he did have to kill a, a, a candy cap, or sorry, not candy cap, a, a Neo Geo machine. But it's like, it's there's it like a necessary evil. It's like, yeah, he is killing it, but I get the board from it, so it's like, uh, it evens I don't out. Know how I feel so basically, yeah, I just let him do what he does. So basically. Uh, the way I look at it is that if he allows you to buy the board off of him, you're willing to turn a blind eye. <laughs> yeah, kind of. It sucks, but I'm like, I'm not going to lambast him. It's his business. If he wants to do it, that's fine. I just don't like what he does. I just buy his boards, and that's good enough for me. But, hey, you know I'm what? probably going to um, close the chat now because it's, like, been three hours. Oh, well, really? Holy shit. Yeah, I, I've had this since nine o'clock, and it's almost midnight. Goddamn! Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I need to probably get get ready anyways. I'm gonna get ready for bed. I gotta get up in the morning. So yeah. <laughs> well, well, I, I will say this though: you yeah. still come out winning in the end with the two slot MVS because at least you can turn the two slot into a console. That's yeah. True. Well, I mean, I, that's what I have it in my super gun right now, so I use it a. Honestly, I haven't played in a while since I have the Mister. To be honest with you, I just have my Mister in my Net City, and that's good enough for me. Yeah, just know if you put a Unibios in it, you're not going to have any sound on slot two unless there's something in slot one. It's all good. I I'm not gonna wait. Did I, did I put a Unibios? No, I don't think so. I think it's just stock, whatever's in there. Yeah, just, it's just maybe there was uh, just a heads up. Know. It's it's a bug that was introduced in 4.0. No, actually, I think I did put a Unibios in there. Uh, I don't remember. Uh, is, I don't think, are the two slotted? I can't remember if they are or not. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'm going to close the chat, though, because it is getting late. All right. Uh, nice talking to you guys later. Yep, thank you for coming. No worries. Anytime. I'll talk to you guys later. Yeah, right. later, man. Later.